Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 121 of Goonothers the Podcast Adjunct Series. We are back with a fantastic episode. Uh, the week that we took off due to my unforeseen, unforeseen, unfortunate, both, I guess, uh, illness a couple weeks ago. We are back with that episode tonight. I am super excited. Um, this is a brew that we've wanted to have on for a number of years, and it is now a, uh, a local for me, so that makes it extra special. So I'm very excited to get into that. But of course, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into the convo and the beers, this episode is sponsored by the good folks at Manscaped. Once again, give them some support. There we go. For breaking news, Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Uh, now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet. By going to manscaped.com and using the code BAOS for 20% off and free shipping. It's BAOS, 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com. Uh, so these ones, once again, I haven't uh, had an opportunity to try this just yet, but uh, because do you want me to really show you this covered in hair? It's kind of gross. Um, but I'm very excited. So it's time to tame your mane. No one likes a weird beard. So say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger, which is this bad boy here. This thing is a juggernaut of fixing faces. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, which is this thing right here. Look at that, 20, 20 of those bad boys. With all with one guard, so no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. So that's right, face grooming doesn't need to be hard. Get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower. I like the idea of it. Don't know if I do it, because then you can't see shit. Because you need a mirror, that's going to get foggy. But if you're into it and you don't have to look, you know what I'm saying? Uh, to avoid all that hair in the sink. The titanium-coated tea blade is tough on hair, but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Pro Kit doesn't end there, though. They have created four dermatolo- dermatologists, well, tested formulations for your post-trim care. First, there is a beard shampoo and conditioner. You need to remember all your hair is different. Your beard hair is more coarse and easy to damage than the hair on your head. That's why the kit has made shampoo and conditioner specially designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, and replace natural oils and promote... Beard health. So there's this stuff. Excited to try that on the old face hair. Now the kit has uh, Manscaped's beard oil, an essential piece of your main facial accessory. No one wants a guy whose beard is brittle and dry. I should have put these out beforehand. I don't know why I don't do that. Um, beard oil. Let's beard conditioner. Oh shit! I thought it was already one. Well, fucking look at that there. That's pretty cool. And then the beard oil. I'm sorry. No. Gosh, what am I? What am I doing here? This is the beard oil. This is fun. This is fun to mine. I'm messing up. Uh, the essential piece for your main facial accessory. No one wants a guy whose beard is brittle and dry. The oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath while leaving a little shimmer and shine, making you look extra fine. Cap the kit off with the beard balm, which is the smaller one here. The, uh, a pomade that shapes, styles, moisturizes, and tames for a sculpted look to attract any fellows or dames, whatever you're into. The Pro Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush. I really like this one because it kind of looks like a shoe brush. But it's for your beard. You can just like, you know, so cut that down. Um, comb and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So you get 20% off and free shipping with the code BAOS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BAOS at manscaped.com. Beard hedger, one stroke, one stroke, one guard, 20 length. And with that, uh, folks, once again, I'm excited as hell for this one. We got some killer beers, killer convo. Uh, please welcome. 
you know what? I keep fucking this up. Okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm trying to. I, I feel like I'm over concentrating, and then I ruin everything. Okay, we have Ram and Brent from Fairweather Brewing, of course. Nathan from Nathan Does Beer in the building. <laughs> Gentlemen, welcome. Great to see all your faces. It's a beautiful thing. We're doing it. Welcome, fellas. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy to be here. Very stoked. Uh, like I was saying, I now reside in Hamilton. It was always, uh, you know, we used to swing by Fairweather on the, uh, usually on the trips to Niagara. Now it's just a zip down the road. It's glorious. I love it. I'm grateful. Uh, I'm very excited to to get the full story. Um, let's get into some of these beers. So we're doing this a little different tonight. Ram had a fun idea that each of us gets to pick the order of the beers. So guess first. So whoever, Ram or Brent, whoever you guys want to go first uh, to to choose the. Kickoff beer, please. Brent, I'll defer to you. What do you like? Oh, wow. I was going to do the same thing, but we'll never get anywhere. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's go right for it. Let's start with high grade. Ooh. That's, that was that's unexpected. Now, high grade is the flagship, if uh, that is accurate. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we've started saying that in the last couple of years. Beautiful. Um, this beer, one thing I've really appreciated about this beer, um, it's probably the one of, well, obviously, that I've had the most from you guys. And I love that wherever I go around town, like I almost find it everywhere. And whenever I see this beer on tap, I grab it. It is a genuine delight. It's a um, is it 6%? Yeah, 6.2% IPA with Simcoe Idaho 7, which is mine and Nate's favorite hop. Uh, Citra and Mosaic. Um, so it's a nice. Yeah, I, do you know what? I'm going to shut up. I'm going to let you guys describe it. What am I doing? Please well, tell I mean, you're, you're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's that. It's, it's one of the first beers we ever made. And in fact, it's like, it's riffing off of the first IPA we made. Um, that, that hop combination of kind of like the Mosaic. Idaho seven. Um, I know that they are like, you know, conventional hops for IPAs these days, but, um, I, at the time Idaho seven was new to me and it's just super punchy. You got that green, like mango kind of thing going on. And, uh, it hasn't always been, uh, it's been a labor of love getting it to where it was, but, um, as much as there's been a, a lot of struggle, it's been fun. And as far as right now, I think it's like, it's exactly where I want it to be, which I hesitate to even say because I'm going to wake up tomorrow and it's going to take taste different. It's going to take another five years fighting it to get it back where we want. No, it's been pretty great. And um, it's nice to see how well uh, Hamilton and others have picked it up. It's uh, uh, we love seeing it around town. The novelty hasn't worn off. So that's amazing. Uh, before we, we keep talking, but definitely need to get it in us. Guys, cheers. Pleasure to have you here finally. Cheers. Cheers, boys. Mm. It's such a good beer, man. I even had friends, like, I, funnily enough, moving here. Um, I had a bunch of mates from, uh, they used to work at, I used to work at Apple Store in Toronto, Eaton Center. And um, there's like five of us who live here, so we got a little group chat. And one of them was texting like a couple of weeks ago. I was like, oh my God, I love this fucking beer. Like sending pictures, not really knowing that I knew you guys. Um, like I, I really feel like it's got, it's a, a fan base, this beer. 
Um, and it's, it, it's such a great choice for a flagship because it's just such like a, an approachable New England IPA. It's like got everything that, say, like a, you know, a haze boy or girl would want whilst also being not super in your face. Got that nice kind of balance, like, the, you know, obviously the, the juicy, the three uh, adjectives that are always on your cans, which I love the, you know, juicy, drank, dank and tropical, which is exactly what it is. It's just. It sort of hits all the angles. I guess it's the Simcoe and the Idaho that you know, deliver the dank side there. And it's just, um, yeah, I mean, how did you guys come to the idea of making this one the flagship? Or did it kind of organically occur? I, I think it, it kind of it, it happened pretty organically. I mean, uh, when we first started, you know, making beers and uh, IPA specifically, um, we noticed that like, oh, even though we were making various IPAs as people do, um, that one kind of base recipe, although it's like it's changed so dramatically over the years, um, it had something at the center of it that was like that I think we all really love. And that brand high grade, I really wanted to, I don't know, I wanted to get out in front of it. I wanted that one to stick. And mm. so we had this like base IPA that's, uh, that's what we started calling it. I knew we always like, I wanted that brand to, uh, to exist and to, and to be ours before somebody else got it. Um, and, uh, so we kind of like, we made the beer, the brand got kind of established, but then, uh, it also just, it took so long to like, to refine it and get it where we wanted to go. There's like, we're so many, uh, yeast strains deep and like and constantly rotating the like the timing of the dry hop the amounts the you know the cryo the t90 the, the 45s everything it's like we've been running through this beer for a long time um even just oxygen rates stuff like that and uh getting into a place where it's like in my mind i i know that we're here to like you know shamelessly promote things but that i do actually not even drink IPA that much like but I drink high grade a lot more now than I even used to I, I just love where it's at I like that it's not too sweet you know like uh, it's, it's still the hops are super punchy and stuff but it's very comfortable um, that's that's my speed I love that and that's putting um, th that's putting quite a bit of pressure on yourselves too to uh, to lock in the name high grade. Uh, like it's just so early on and uh, again as you say doing all of these tweaks that you're doing because if you're locking in the name high grade and you want it to be one that sticks around you really like the beer needs to uh, it needs to deliver on that right <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely it's uh I, 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 mean, I imagine yeah, it definitely does <laughs> was the name a play on the dankness i imagine yeah i um i had a i had a beer back in the day actually like it was a long time ago from Brassneck that was uh, that just felt so so chronic. It was wild how like it it was so dank. It was so much like like you know, bud buster pulverized cannabis and uh, and that mixed with like uh, uh, just like these beautiful like tropical characteristics is like dynamite. It made a big impression on me right away, and so been kind of chasing that dragon a little bit. 
that's sick. Yeah, it's such a such a dope name for it. Um, so I guess that, so. It sounds like just naturally you make it the beer, you tweaked it, and people just gravitated to it. And I guess in this market, uh, you know, of haze, probably you know, still being the biggest thing for probably the last five years, maybe more. Um, it just kind of like stuck around. Was that kind of where it came from? That it was just like you know, you like I've seen people do it before, and just like pure numbers, like which beers are selling the most, and you know that kind of ends up becoming that. Or did you sort of like? Was there an internal push, uh, name aside, for being like, you know, a, a beer that you want to stick around? Was there like a, yeah, how did it sort of like come to be in that way? We definitely, definitely pushed it. That was like, okay. people always want like, you know, what's, what's next, what's next, what's next? Especially when you're like, you know, when that's the way you establish yourself as somebody who's making like a whole bunch of beers. But I mean... Brent can speak to it too. He saw sales, you know, like when you start bringing things back, it doesn't always catch up right away, Mm. but eventually people find their way in there. But yeah, I mean, we put, we pushed it hard for at least the past couple of years to get it uh, to the level of acceptance where it is because we believed in it. Yeah. I think um, I remember like a conversation that kind of like started the, the push of it and, sometimes these things are not as interesting as, as you know, you'd like them to be, but uh, part of it was yeast management and needing to choose a beer that we have on a little more regularly so that we could, you know, keep yeast alive and, um, and go about it that way. But I remember a conversation with Ram where he said like, we need to just make tons of high grade. Like this beer is starting to taste awesome. And after yeah, many, many iterations and um, lots of changes to the grain bill, the process, the dry hop, everything else, we eventually got to this place where we were really happy with it and um, just, yeah, decided to push push as much of it out there as we could and see if we could make that brand really get a foothold in the, in the you know, surrounding area around the brewery first and then farther out. And, um, yeah, it, it worked really well. And, um, yeah, we've got another beer that we're working on kind of doing that with now too that we're really happy with. But, uh, yeah, it was – if, if – it's too bad you can't, you know, have a can of, or it'd be a bottle, the like the very first version of high grade to try next to it because it would be so different. Was it more of the West Coast vibe potentially, or was it just sort of like an unrefined version of this? Well, I, I mean, Rom can speak to like the all the changes that occurred. There's a lot of them, so you know, like some of them less perceptible over time from batch to batch, but um, definitely wouldn't have had the same appearance at all in the beginning. Um, the dry hop rate changed probably almost doubled from where it started to where it is now. Um, and then a process that we use to, uh, to give it that like stable haze that it has. We didn't have that at the beginning. Gotcha. Yeah, we would, we would absolutely like, we were running Cali for the longest time, um, at the beginning, the yeast that is, um, and we we were doing that and we were getting good results. I still like, I know a lot of people like kind of throw shade at Cali, but I like it. Um, but it's like, you know, after you agitate all the hops and you do all that sort of stuff, um, it's just like the stability isn't there. And, um, and the like, there's still, you still get like tons of intense aromatics out of the hops and stuff, but there's like, there's a roundness and stuff that comes along with these like kind of haze strains. Um, 
And so the only thing is, is like, you know, they're kind of finicky and they're not as versatile and, um, you know, yeast management, especially for a young brewery who doesn't have a core offering and doesn't have the type of demand. I mean, I see it happen all the time. Like we, you know, give yeast to people and stuff all the time. I and mean, you can see where they're at. Um, oh, those early days, yeast management is a motherfucker. It's so hard. Um, and, and it causes so much stress too, because you're like, uh, you don't have a reliable, uh, like demand for, for anything. And so like early on, I remember just feeling like you're just flailing, like, like this forced kind of creativity where you gotta be putting out like brand after brand after brand. And all the while going like, how can I manage the yeast to keep it alive through all of this? Hmm. So make brands that are different enough, but they can't be too, there can't be too many sours or whatever, because that'll kill your yeast. You can't have too much high ABV stuff because that'll kill your yeast. You can't have too much low ABV stuff with, you know, like how many pale ales can you have running at the same time or whatever. Um, all well, you're struggling to establish trust and stuff and be able to sell the things. So that is, when Brent said like, yeah, you know, yeast management is some of it for sure. There's like having like a core brand or whatever where you can turn over volume and it keeps your yeast healthy and it keeps your pipes moving. You know, like that is when, when you start to make more beer, uh, the beer gets better because the yeast is happier. Um, beer's not sitting around as long. Um, you get more, you get more cracks at it. You know, we make high grade like every week. So, um, when we want to make tweaks, we can do it and we can see the results. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, uh, it's really, really like, that's been, that's been great. And we're super grateful for the, uh, the level of acceptance this beer has got. Um, and it's, you know, it, it, people use that term like rent beer or whatever, as if it's like something that you make because you need the money and you don't care about it. It's like, no, we love this beer. And it was like, it was trouble. It's like pure struggle factory to get it where it was going. And now that it is, um, we're stoked. We love to make it. That's great. Yeah, it's it's not the most profitable e beer either to kind of choose as a flagship. There there are better options <clears throat> from from that standpoint. But we just you know we love having this one around, and we think it's a great uh, sort of testament to like what what our brewers can do and and what we can do at the brewery. And you know we could have gone with something like cheaper and simpler, um, but um, this beer makes like a little bit more of a statement for us, I think. Mm. That's a really good point, and, actually. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? Uh, now that I have a now that I have a platform, um, I'm just going to talk about what I hate. Uh, uh -oh. I hate that narrative. I hate that narrative that IPAs are easy to make. Fuck that. They are not, man. They are very difficult beers to make. Um, and I know that there's people going like, oh, you know, you just throw hops at it and kind of mask whatever. That's insane. You've never done it. You, you've never you've never had like uh, pressure put on you to make IPA that'll stand up to other really good IPAs. If you have, then you would know it's not easy. Um, so that's another one of those things that like 
IPA is great. You may not want to drink it 24 seven or whatever, but uh, you got to respect it. It's tough to make. I, I would agree. love to play that. Uh, I would love to play that snippet on a loop for a few people. I can think of. <laughs> Maybe that might be the uh, the trailer. <laughs> You're right, though, man. Because it's like it's not like it was in 2017 or whatever, where like there was whatever half a dozen, a dozen in the province, if not the country, as far as New England's are concerned. And then now, you know, every brewery is doing one. And to be able to stand out in this market, it's, it's very difficult. And you really have to be making something very, very good. And the fact there's not like that many very, very good ones shows how difficult it is to make this stuff. This stuff you know? So I, I think you're 100%. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a pickle. And I mean... There is there is a lot of it out there. I mean, it's a great time to be drinking beer. It's better better time to be um, a beer drinker than it is to be a beer maker. Um, although it's not bad for that either. But um, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 been a very challenging like uh, beer to make, and even even that style, I still like. I I, I get the impression that a lot of people in the industry even don't feel this way. Like they, uh, like as if PAs aren't that exciting. Like I get really excited to like, to lean into one and then to see how they change like over a week or two in package or whatever. See when the, you know, when the edges get smoothed out off a little bit, like that to me is like, that's pretty interesting stuff. It gets exciting. Oh Yeah. Another thing that I really like about this that kind of you mentioned, and Nate, I think we talked about it on one of the last couple of podcasts, is when the brand of the beer, the, the beer, the, the liquid evolves, but the brand stays. There's something really cool about that because, like you guys were saying, it is it's hard work to build a brand, and you you know there's obviously the brewery, but then there's the brand. So like building the brand of that beer and being able to tweak it and change the liquid to evolve either with the tastes of you guys or the tastes of beer drinkers is, is like something I, I just, I don't know. I really like it. I think that's really dope. And it just shows that like, I don't know you could have had something like, I don't know, you dropped an English IPA back in the day or something like that. And you're like, this is what an IPA is. And then you just steadfastly hold on to that shit and just don't move and be stubborn as hell. But that's not really going to get you anywhere where you've got something like this, where the beer can evolve. Like you were saying, Brent, as well, like try this in the bottle five, six years ago. Um, compared to now, you'll see the difference. And I just think that's dope. But I think some of the, some of the strongest brands, arguably, if you want to talk about Ontario, like in the province, I think have done that and evolved over time. So I think that's just real like credit to, to you guys and to, to, for what you've been able to do with this and be able to sort of parlay a hard to make beer that isn't a massive money maker into a big, big favorite uh, for a lot of people, both in the region and beyond. It's fantastic. Love to see it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw it too. I was listening recently to one of, one of your episodes where I think it was uh, the top 10 and, you were talking about Bernie's in there um, and about, you know, being able to get high grade at Bernie's. And I don't know if you know that they actually do like $5 Fridays. They, they sell pints of, of high grade for five bucks. So Very we should cool. definitely hit the place up later on and go, go there for some $5 fair weather. I would love that, man. That is awesome. That, and that was actually specifically the dudes I was telling you that I was hanging out with. That's where we were. And they were asking me, like, obviously they go, Hey, what should I get? I'm like fucking high grade. Bro. Don't even question me about this. Yeah. Shit. 
and they're That's crushing great. it. And you know, like it's it's just really cool to see that and to to see that sort of local fave. And I, I I don't believe I introduced them to it as such, but the fact that there was those same people who were texting me saying about yeah, it's great. Five dollars a gurney, mate. That's beautiful. Food's great there too. Uh, very very convenient. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with that, I know we spent a lot of time on this, but I thought that this was a, probably the best way to start it off. So great, great call on this one. Um, I'd love to get from both you guys your beer history. So how both of you discovered craft beer, how you got into it, and how kind of that led along the path to uh, to the brewery. Whoever wants to go first. Go ahead, Ram. Me? <laughs> Gentlemen, both yeah. of you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Well, I first got into beer, like the, my first sort of like introduction to beer and I'll try not to make it too lengthy, but, um, was, uh, I got a job like randomly, I was sleeping on a buddy's couch. I had moved to Victoria, uh, without actually having a home to move to. Um, and so I was, I was, uh, staying with a buddy and, uh, he invited me out there. Actually, it turns out, so I get there and he's like, you got a couch here. And it, it turns out that there's this other guy sleeping on the couch. And I was like, shit, I thought that this was for me. And, uh, and so I was forced to like, uh, be friends with this guy. Fortunately it was easy cause he's a good dude. Um, but we go around like kind of looking for jobs and, uh, we meet up at the end of one day and he's like, Hey, I got a job at this like brewery or whatever. And, uh, it was this place called canoe brew pub down in, uh, down by the water in Victoria. Um, and started working there, um, just as like a, a bus boy is this big, like what, like high volume pub. Right. Um, and I sort of got sort of severe, but even still, like there's just a lot of people there. I found it interesting. And then as part of our training, um, the brewmaster, his name is Sean Hoyne, uh, started just kind of showing us around the brewery and it, it jumped out at me as like immediately interesting. What I found was like all the process pipe and stuff because I had worked for plumbers before. And I was like, Oh, like how does all this sort of stuff happen? Like who puts this all together? And Sean goes like, well, I, I did. And I go like, Oh shit. Okay. Well then we got something to talk about. And, uh, and we kind of hit it off and started talking about beer all the time. And um, he was a great dude, make ton- made tons of time for me all the time. Um, he would show me kind of beers in tank. I worked there for a couple of years. Um, never made up much past busser though, I guess <laughs> wasn't, uh, yeah, I, I didn't excel that well in that role, but, um, but he was dope. He made great time for me all the time. Um, and soon enough, just after being exposed to it, I kind of got into beer, um, the beers that were made in that pub. And then, you know, things continue to jump out at me, you know, Sierra Nevada pale ale, fat tug from out there from driftwood, stuff like that. Mm. Um, and I started to get really into beer. Um, and then a couple of years passed by and I was working construction, but I would still, uh, be at the pub every once in a while on the weekends. And, uh, this guy, Sean told me that he was going out on his own. He's going to start his own brewery. And if I was interested, um, I could help him build it. And, uh, and so I was like, okay, showed up there one day and he goes like, here's some wheelbarrows and a shovel, bunch of concrete's gone. Like I need you to dig holes. We're, we're digging drains. Right. And so one thing led to another, I ended up spending like six months with him, kind of like helping him start up his brewery from like straight up 
opening the door, digging drains, cutting concrete, doing stuff like that, um, to, you know, building glycol systems and uh, building a cooler and, and doing all this stuff and watching kind of like the way the industry uh, came together around him and all the people that were like, you know, in his orbit were so supportive. And we would always like, he was amazing. It would always be like, you know, tools down, let's have a beer, let's hang out. And it was just like the most amazing work experience. I was, I was as enamored by like the technical and like uh, mechanical elements of the brewery as I was about the beer itself, but also just like the experience, the hanging out, the shooting the shit after work, all that sort of stuff. Like it just meant the world to me. And at that time I had already kind of made my mind up that I was going to move back to Victoria um, or so I was going to move back to Ontario from Victoria and be kind of closer <clears throat> to my family and stuff. And that's where I uh, learned that there was this brewing program in, in Niagara. And so I had to do some like uh, brushing up on school and stuff like that to get in there. And then, uh, and then fortunately, like, I was able to get in probably help uh, probably thanks to like Sean giving me a good recommendation and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, that's sort of how the ball kind of got rolling. That's where I met Brent. I love that. What's some um, Sean's brewery's name in BC? Hoyne, uh, Hoyne Brewing Company. Um, they're, uh, they're kicking ass out there. It's amazing yeah, to see like the level, the level of growth uh, that they're like, that they've achieved at there. Brent and I went out in September um, and, uh, and he's done so well. It's just wild. Like to see a brewery go from like this little tiny mom and pop with, you know, like me and women and children cutting trench drains to being like, you know, one of the bigger breweries uh, out in BC. Um, and it couldn't happen to like more lovely people. So uh, to see them going at that clip. And I mean, furthermore, <clears throat> once I got into school, like uh, there's, you have kind of summers off or you used to anyway. And so I went back out West to work for Sean in Victoria uh, for the summer and then came back to finish school. I was kind of like messing around, didn't really have like a clear opportunity that I was interested in as far as the brewing industry. So I was like, I was bartending. I was doing whatever. I was kind of spinning my tires a little bit. Uh, and then one day the kind of the phone rings and it's Sean Hoyne. And he goes like, Hey, you know, I, we've been keeping in touch. Like I've grown out of this brewing equipment that we started the brewery with. Um, and I think it would be great to see you with it. So like, would you be interested in, you know, starting a brewery and like with all this equipment I have, it's sitting around, it's basically in my way. Um, and I remember kind of going like, that'd be nice and all, but like, I don't have any money. So like, yeah, what else is going on? And, uh, and we had a conversation I, I got off the phone I told my wife Maya and she was like, you're just going to like, uh, just kind of shut that conversation down like that. And I was like, she was like, maybe you should call him back and see, see kind of what he means by that. And so I did. And he was like, yeah, like, I, I, I want to see this whole thing happen. So like, you know, what are you, what are you interested in? What do you want to do? Blah, blah, blah. And so I kind of hastily 
uh, came up with some sort of nebulous idea of what a brewery might look like. And, um, and he was like, okay, well, why don't, uh, why don't we take this equipment to the bank, see if we can leverage it against a loan and, uh, and see if we can get something started. I trust you. And like, let's do it. And, um, and so me and, and Brent and, uh, and Sean and stuff have been kind of doing it ever since. Although Sean is at West, he, uh, he, he's coming here in March for like the first time since we, uh, since we were in construction mode, he's been pretty amazing. He just goes like, yep, looks like you guys are doing great. I'll, uh, I'll see you around. I'll talk to you when I talk to you kind of thing. Um, uh, so that's sort of the gen. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. He's, uh, with, without, without him, this whole thing would, wouldn't exist. I have like, I have the utmost like love and respect for that guy. He's, he's an absolute legend. The best. That's cool as shit, man. I love that. And then, uh, so Brent, so, you know, what, what was your sort of story leading up to you guys connecting and uh, jumping in? Yeah, it's, it's not as interesting, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, so my, before I, before I went to brewing school, like Ram said, and, and, and that's where I met Ram, <clears throat> um, I was about 10 years post, uh, university, which like for that, I went through for, um, accounting and economics and, never quite really found uh like a, a stable career with that um and so eventually uh, met my my partner uh brandy and we settled in niagara because she's really interested in wine um and she was working at this winery and i was again like struggling to find any work in in my uh in my industry and she was actually the one who um convinced me to apply for, uh, the college. I had recently worked at a, at a winery out there during harvest. And so kind of like Ram alluded to, like I worked with a lot of the same equipment and I had, uh, taken a, an interest in, you know, working with all that same kind of stuff like process piping and, um, and pumps and different things. And I, I found that really interesting and fun and never really occurred to me that, um, you know, like I, I liked drinking beer. I like trying different beers, and everything, but never thought about working with it. Didn't know how it was made or anything and just kind of applied out of like sheer, just, uh, uh, frustration with not being able to find, uh, you know, stable work in, in Niagara at the time. And so I thought, well, I'll just, you know, pop, pop back to school, I guess, uh, 10 years later after, after leaving school and, um, you know, get an OSAP loan and try and do that because yeah, making ends meet was difficult at the time. And, um, met some awesome people at the college, learned tons of stuff, um, out of, out of college, worked at a brewery up in cottage country and, and had the opportunity to basically run the whole place top to bottom. It was a really small brewery where, you know, all, all kinds of things would always go wrong and great learning experience. And, and that's where I was when, uh, when I got the call from Rom about, you know, the story he just told. So very cool. Um, I want to continue that. Do we want to jump to the next beer and then we'll keep to the next part of the story? Um, who's yeah. up for choosing? Ram, you want to choose this time? I yep. do. Um, okay. Talk to me, brother. Let me rub What's that? In, uh, in my cardboard in his little cooler. Cardboard cooler. Ooh. Yeah. I'm um, excited. There's so many options. Well, 
I think like I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to sound dismissive of it and call it a palate cleanser because it's not. But I just <laughs> want to drink. I just want to drink pillow talk. That's I, no no good reason for it other than like I just love. Ooh. Oh yes. I'll be wanting to try knows? this one. I'm excited for this one. Um, heading into Crispy Land, ladies and gentlemen, with this bad boy. Another great name. One thing that you guys do very well, very consistently, is the naming of the beers. I love that. Pillow Talk's a sick name. Uh, this is a uh, Dry Hot Pilsner with Moteca. Fantastic choice. 5%. Mate, I am amped at this one. This is relatively new, eh? Like, I'm pretty sure I saw the email blast maybe only a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yes, but uh, a third, third crack at it, I think. So, yeah, new, oh. new this time around. Gotcha. Yeah, I think, what did we first make that at the start of the pandemic? I, I think that was one of the beers that was kind of in tank when the world fell apart there. Gotcha. Yeah, I, there's a part of me that thinks that maybe even that was the second batch. Like, the, right. our second right. crack at it. Um, but, yeah, that's the way I remember it the most, too, was, like, like uh, full, full, like, uh, COVID apocalypse beer. <laughs> Right, <laughs> I respect it. You need those ones. Dang, you can you can see right through this. That is lovely. Yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, no filter on any of our beers either. Really, like, uh, I guess actually that's not true. We have a filter now. Yeah, we, we run a little soft filter. I mean, it doesn't amount doesn't amount to much. It's still like we run high grade through it, but it's not like we're filtering out haze or anything. Right. Yeah. It's just to yeah, catch no, all no, the get this clarity anyway. If if you became attached to the uh, to the 2017 2018 Fairweather Schmutz, I apologize. Those days are over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I respect it. I respect it. Um. Oh man, this is gorgeous. So it's fantastic. Oof. Like I love the dry hop. So tell us about. Actually, you know what. Let's do the let's do the sipping first. So we always like to do the cheers, mate. You want to do the cheers? Because the problem is we'll end yeah, up taking all the photos and fuck around and we never get to the cheers. Boys, yeah, that's that how it goes. Cheers. Cheers, cheers. lad. Ding. Oh yeah. There she is. Oh yeah. Gorgeous. Moteki is a very, very good choice for uh, for this one. Um Yeah, it is <laughs> Yeah, so this it's is just a- Yeah. Talk to us. Oh, it's a it's a beautiful little op. I mean, it it seems to slide in nicely everywhere we use it. It's uh, it's not the loudest hop right out of the bag or whatever, but this one. I mean, I get I get a whole bunch of like like obviously like lime zest and and jasmine tea and like a little bit of like uh, this like um, this subtle like fruit loopy thing in the back that we always kind of identify. It's funny, this is not a beer that we make very consistently. And every time we have made it, it's like there are these certain beers where we go back to them and like I think there's like a kind of a silent anticipation. You go like, is there any way this is going to be the same as it was when we made it a year or two ago? And it does. It just hits you like a little nostalgia, like a little kind of like a little pop of nostalgia in there because it is. It's always – seems to be the same which is what we want we don't really if we wanted to change it we would but 
Um, consistency is, is nice with this. And it's like this little fruit loopy thing that lives in the background that um, those of us who've been around here for a long time are kind of looking forward to. Um, but yeah, very like very delicate um, in terms of like, you know, a dry hop, like it's not super loud. I think even like the label, you know, it's all, it's all watercolors. The, the term pillow talk, like uh, the, the more than words on the side, it's meant to like, it's meant to denote uh, a um, uh, things that are, you know, you have to kind of like read between the lines a little <laughs> bit. That is, that's the purpose of it. Okay, I love that, man. Yeah, that's um, that's awesome. And yeah, I, I see on your um, like in your description of it on Instagram here, I was seeing that it said it was just like a barely perceptible uh, touch of my, like a Moteca in here. But it's interesting the kind of the layers of subtle flavors that it adds there, and the Fruit Loop is like is interesting. I don't think I've ever uh, like I've ever heard that description before of uh, like especially for especially for a Pilsner. But that's uh, that, that that's a nice touch there. Um, and I um, you, you touched on something when you were descri- when you were describing the label here because um, branding is obviously something that we uh, like that we were going to want to talk about and yes. it sounds to me like the branding that you came up with for this one was pretty deliberate um, in ter- like even in terms of the flavor profile of the beer like you were saying it's all like you know it's all watercolors and uh, and. Like I'm quite delicate and whatnot, um, and the high grade one, the label is of course uh, like, and if I'm not mistaken, this is the same label that high grade has had um, like since the beginning with the uh, like with the green plants and the birds and uh, uh, like with the purple flowers and whatnot. Mm. Are all of yeah. um, it, it, where I'm leading with this? <laughs> like, are all of the your like your labels? Is it that like is it that much thought going like going into uh, going into all of the beers in terms of like how it relates to their flavor profile and whatnot? Uh, can you talk us through the thought process with those? Yes. <laughs> um, Go on. Sorry, that was a very long-winded question. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I. I. I under. It's. It's a good question and. The the aim is to always uh, fucking hit this really pithy like little spot, you know, when you like you really feel like like uh, the brand the brand works in a million different ways. I've always mm. I've always thought, and you know what? This is we just talked about Sean Hoyne. I think like, this is another thing that comes from Sean, and like I I. Uh, aspire to you know i'm inspired by some of the work that he's done um if you if you make a beer um and you know a lot of people say like oh beer is art and this and that and like i don't know yeah maybe in some ways it's also like it's also a very restrictive medium if you do want to refer to it as art um it's it's pretty, uh, it's pretty restrictive, you know, like Mm. you have a handful of ingredients you can use. Um, it's technically there's a, there's a ton of limitation 
Um, you put the beer in a bottle or a can or whatever, and then you have a bunch of label art. That's a wonderful way to express yourself because, you know, the traditional art involved, um, all the words, all the copy, all that stuff, it's all um, important. And, and then the liquid itself. And I've always kind of thought, and again, inspired by some of the uh, experience that I've had with other beers, um, notably beers from Hoyne, is that if you, if you take a beer, you look at it, you open it up, you know, you read whatever it has to say, you open it up, you pour it into a glass, you look at it, you smell it, you drink it, you go back to that uh, package again, you look it over, you think about it and it, and it elicits some sort of like, you know, thought or emotion or, or whatever. And ultimately uh, you are reluctant to discard that package. Mm-hmm. I would say like discard by all means it's recycling, discard it. Um, but if you're reluctant to, that's a win. Like that, that's as well as you can do. Um, create that, like that hesitance to discard this thing that is like objectively trash. Um, and you just like use this one massively. Um, so it would be nice to be able to do it every time. And that's what we're always trying to do. And sometimes, uh, you nail it and, you know, to varying degrees, you're successful. Sometimes, sometimes it works really well. Sometimes it doesn't work quite as well. I wish it were, I wish they were all home runs, but truthfully, they're not. I feel like these two are absolutely home runs. And it feel like, I think you basically said that, Nate, like there's something like it, it tastes like you're drinking the label and it's like, like, you know, two for two right now. And it's like, it's weird in a great way because it's so uncommon and it's such a thoughtful approach to branding like look okay maybe you're right and i love that i know brewery i've ever seen and we've ever spoken to over hundreds of episodes have ever i would say been um cocky or overconfident with their shit i think that's the one thing i think is endearing about the brewing industry is that everyone is hypercritical of their own stuff in every aspect because they want to be better i love that This, this is just like it's crazy like how much like what you said before, Nate, is exactly the situation. Like I was thinking that – it was funny you mentioned it because I was thinking that exactly as I was pouring it and smelling it. I was like, what the fuck, man? Like this is like – like to the point that it's like strange. Like wow, how did they even visual? It's like you're seeing a visual of what the beer is going to taste like in front of you whilst you're consuming it. And it's – um I like that analogy uh, around with the – you know, with like you know, if you, do, if you don't want to discard the, the packaging, then you're like, all right. Run to something, and it's cool. And one thing yeah. we always notice is that breweries typically, well, up until five six years ago, probably you know you guys remember ten years ago, you know, entire us when I lived in Toronto and even Montreal. Montreal was even worse. Quebec was worse, but like no breweries didn't give a fuck about their branding. It was horrible. Remember like Trafalgar and stuff, and like you know things like that where it was just word art it was literally made in like clip art type thing it was just super bad because it didn't really matter back then and as beer got larger and more popular and stuff and it became like any other consumer product where the marketing and the branding of it was equally as important as what's inside the the can so you guys definitely have a a way with this and you know like you said even if it, everyone isn't a home run it's the consistency of the you know the square at the front 
the little writing on the side that's just some little sprinkle of something extra in there. Like I don't know, it's it's just pretty and it's attractive and it's and it and it reflects. I also would argue it reflects the experience in the brew pub too. It's just sort of like from top to bottom, you know, your, your whole branding is, is a great experience from a consumer perspective. It's very cool, guys. Well, that's very, you. very generous. Thank you. Yeah, we're both big fans. Yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, um, I, th- th- there's something that's st- like that stuck out there with the reluctance to uh, uh, the, like to discard it. There's um, there's a restaurant here in Ottawa called uh, like called Citizen. Um, that's what the, like that's one of my favorites in town, and uh, their beer list uh, that, that includes uh, a, a lot of your stuff. Yeah, I, I, you must know them because they sell a lot of your stuff there. <laughs> um, and no one. Sorry, go ahead. No, I love them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, like for it's been a little while since uh, like since I've been back, but the last time I was there, and for a long time, I know they uh, like on one of the shelves of the like of their bar, they had a whole row of Fairweather bottles, and it, like and it looks just absolutely gorgeous because uh, like every single bottle on there, like C was just describing, you know, has the white square, like the white square in the center, and there's a different. Uh, interesting wallpapery, uh, like uh, the design around it, and uh, like it makes for it, like it makes for a perfect uh, the, the, like full set, uh, like along the top row of the bar, and uh, like it just goes to show that like even they have a reluctance to like to discard it for very good reason. I I didn't know that. That's like that's so nice. I love that. I I know a few people who have like walls in their house of our. Um, packaging that they yeah were reluctant to discard and i was i I think that's so lovely um yeah it's cool to see like every once in a while i'll um go over to somebody's house and they've they've got some of our stuff on the wall which is cool to see it's still i i think i think i think we'd be remiss to not mention like what that what that is all about and and the truth is is like that is all uh maya my wife Maya does all of this shit, and like wow. without her, we would be—I don't know what we would do. What we do, we would just be like a fundamentally different place. Um, but like at, at the at the most kind of core level, um, all, uh, at, in the beginning, so Maya went to Maya went to school at OCAD for drawing and painting, and okay. she had never done any kind of digital work before. And I think, I don't know if there are people out there who don't experience this, but um, when we were starting the brewery, um, for me anyway, uh, that whole like imposter syndrome is definitely a thing. You know what I mean? You just feel like, you feel like you don't, you don't deserve it. You're not like, you don't have enough experience. You're not, you're not legit enough, whatever. And so you try to do everything you can to uh, mitigate that. And, and one of the things is like the perception of it. Um, So like we never, I never wanted Maya to have anything to do with it because she, she frankly didn't either. Um, Because you didn't want to seem homemade. You know how many places you see where it looks like, Everything is done in house and not in a good way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that. 
that's what I kind of like wanted to avoid. And, um, but we went through a couple of designers and stuff and, and realized that it wasn't their fault. Uh, but like creative people can't just like make your whole thing for you. You have to have a vision and you have to like have gone through the motions and, and even have a, a language with which to communicate with them. And I didn't have any of those things. This whole thing started off with that phone call and um, it just started happening like a, like a snowball. It was going mm. so fast. And so Maya started like, we go like, okay, well like, let's get into like Adobe Illustrator. Let's see what you can do. And it's so rudimentary and like learning how to, do the most basic functions of that stuff and her and I staying up all night and like trying to come up with these things that resembled labels and like, and whatever, um, very, we were very like inspired, but not very technically, uh, proficient. And over time, you know, we've had enough of a like dialogue with one another where like, you know, we we disagree about stuff we like we get into arguments we get like uh you know insulted by the other's opinion because these are creative matters and they mean a lot to the whoever's really deeply in them um but we know what we mean to each other and we know the team and so we end up uh now we come to this place where like we're not ex not completely but we're largely simpatico and we understand what the objective is and we can like, you know, we still release beers late all the time because we were like, you know, we just, we just axed two or three label attempts. And it's like with Maya, I feel comfortable having that type of conversation because I don't have any skills. Like how am I supposed to tell some person with this massive skill set and is so talented that like, I don't like their work. You can only do that if you're like, you're immensely, you're like, you're deeply, deeply like comfortable and you feel safe with somebody and, and they can only accept that under the same circumstance. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have going on. And I don't think we could do it any other way. I mean, we've made hundreds of beers with original art. Um, we'd be in the, we'd be bankrupt and we'd be, uh, we'd be through, you know, dozens of designers who couldn't stand working with me. Um, and, and we'd have shittier results. So like mm. we would fundamentally different place. We wouldn't get to release as many beers. We wouldn't like, it would be an unrecognizable uh, project mm. with it. It's a cool way to look at it. And you are right though. It is. And, and you guys have, um, has this branding essentially been this way from the beginning? I mean, from what I recall it is, but has it changed much? No, I, I, well, that thing of the wallpaper and the box, you know, I call it like the panel. Um, so there's like the wallpaper and the panel and the, and the you know, the little three words um, or a handful of words to describe it. At first they were descriptions and then they started turning into like, you try to get as like as pithy as you can with them and like make three words line up with uh you know, the label art, the beer, the, the, and the, 
name of the beer and you try to make those things play as nicely as you can. Um, and sometimes that is the most challenging thing I do. Um, but, uh, the, the general layout was kind of born out of the fact that like is largely indecision. I you know, like, I don't, I can't, we can't commit to a color palette because I'm not comfortable with it. So you go like, well, there's no discernible color palette here. We've got like kind of an off white with, you know, largely black text. But you don't want to like uh, pigeonhole yourself in terms of art. You want to keep it interesting. And so we go like, well, so long as it can be kind of sort of repetitive and largely like like that wallpapery thing is is exactly what we were kind of going for. Mm. Um, and it, you see a lot more of that now. But at the time, I hadn't really seen it before. But it was like it seemed like uh, kind of oddly like it was just um, – seem pragmatic you go like we can still have nice art the the package can still be identifiable because you have this little panel on the front um that can give you your information and stuff um and you don't have to uh you know like buy into like any kind of color palette and uh and so this is what we should do at least for now until we figure that out and then we just never figured it out so it it persists yeah i think uh, at the time it was quite a contrast to, you know, if you went and looked at the, sh the shelves at, in the craft beer section at the LCBO, it seemed like there was kind of like an arms race to see who could make like the loudest packaging. And so we tried to go in the other direction thinking that, you know, if we ever ended up on the shelf next to these uh, beers, like the only way to stand out uh, in a sea of brands that were uh really loud was to like tone it down and go in a different direction and so we started out with actually like really sparse patterns and that's changed over time as um maya's had like more time to put into different labels and more like uh sort of concepts developed for different brands of what the label should look like and more more detail has come into play on some of the labels but that was kind of where that started i remember having that conversation early on was like you know to stand out in this, uh, in this climate with all these other brands, you got to do something different. And the only way to do that was to do something a little more toned down. Okay. Yeah. That's really cool, man. That's cool to hear that the, the way that that kind of came about, that it was kind of this like accidental sort of thing that just kind of, you know, became the identity because that's what you started with and you just refined it as opposed to changing it. I almost think now looking at it, I couldn't even picture anything else. Like, I feel like you guys have probably felt the same way. Like, you, this is what the brand is. And it kind of has to be this. Yeah, it, yeah. And there are elements of it that you're still left unsatisfied with. But it does, like, you go, like, you can change them over time and tweak it and, and like, truly, like, evolve it. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it does make you like worried for a time where you're like, you know, can can we sustain this kind of dynamic with like, you know, Maya and I and our family and the demands on that and like if and for her to like be pumping out is potentially like you know as much as a lab you know original art every. Uh, week or two with me working as much as I do and then her trying to like pursue some of her own interests because like 
you know, everybody's got those. So like, it, it is like one of those things, but I, I don't think I, I think I would be so devastated to like see uh, Maya no longer in that because that's like, that's a point of like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like, just like uh, closeness for me, you know, like more I like, you know, the brewery expands, people start taking on other kinds of roles. One of the ones that is like the most meaningful to me is actually not even one that I do. It's like, it's Maya's work. And if that were to go away and somebody else were to start doing it, I, I don't know. It would just leave me feeling so disconnected. Mm. I can see that for sure. It's yeah. Because it's so integrally like, connected like it is the brand and it's sort of yeah one without the other it just would be odd whereas like some breweries might have like they start off with like multiple people doing it so it's sort of not as big a deal but you've got one person who obviously is intrinsically tied to the brewery handling the, the yep. branding so it's a different situation i love it though it's cool so then uh where we left off, I know we, we sort of cut you guys off from when the point where, you know, the phone calls with uh, Sean. Um, I know we're probably due for another beer within the next like few minutes and stuff as well, but maybe we could get into the next. Uh, do we want to do the next beer or do we want to get into this next phase of the story? What are we feeling? Should we probably crack one? the next one and then get it. Yeah, we should crack yeah. the next one and then let's get it. And I then let's continue. I can figure that. Ooh. So, whose decision? Nate, you want to, your, your call? Sure. Well, uh, I mean, I'm wearing my cheeky lactose shirt um, today, so uh, we should probably go with uh, Fonzo, which is, which is the lactose beer of the night. Okay. Can you, uh, you z- zoom that shirt in for me? I want to get a better look at that. Oh, yeah, sure. Nice. So it's, okay. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, and uh, for anyone uh, like for anyone listening as opposed like as opposed to watching, um, it's it, it looks like a Lacoste logo, and uh, the alligator j- like has the, has like the snout of a cow. <laughs> I love that. It's, uh, That's great. It's a it, it's a cheeky shirt from uh, the like from an ice cream shop called Cow's Creamery, and uh, I, I couldn't resist when I saw it. Uh, <laughs> That's great. Uh, the funny part of it, Nate actually got me the white one of that for Christmas last year because we have a uh, an Instagram account that together, not an Instagram, a Twitter account called Team Lactose. It was the thing that isn't really as big now in 2023 as it was uh, back in the day. When, I don't know if you guys remember, everyone was furious that people enjoyed lactose in beer for a while there. So it was probably, what was it, 2017 maybe? Maybe. Something like that. Something like that. 2018, yeah. Yeah. So people got really pissed. Yeah. So we were like, we just want to antagonize people, make this lactose thing and just encourage it. Like it was around when like milkshake IPAs were like all the rage with the kids type of thing. Um, There's still, I mean, I get it. Like the, these beers to me, like these lactose, like fruited sours and stuff, I don't drink that much of them. But they make me truly giddy in a way that no yeah. other beer really do at, at the brewery. Like, I get so fired up about these beers um, when you try them out of the bright tank and, like, you're like, ah, you know, like, we did it. We made candy. It's like, 
This shit is for kids. What are they? How did this happen? Where you just make like, beer candy? It's hilarious. And, and I, I love it. I love that. Yeah, and uh, it, it was a thing of, like, we didn't even care that like that much about it. We just thought that the outrage around it was so, like, was so ridiculous. And, uh, like, but similarly, we... It, like it was a case of they whenever we would have one we would just get that like we would just get that excited about it similarly because it's like like you say it's like candy it's uh, like they're fun beers uh, yeah. like you know they're, they're certainly hit or miss but you can't deny that they're fun hey, people didn't like fun for a while there sometimes some people don't want to have fun um <laughs> you know we we baked hedonism into this thing um that that is what we like to do like we like to we like to crush beers and we like to hang out with all of our pals the people who work here are our friends like we like to hang out and party and drink beers and talk shit and uh and laugh and not like like not take shit too seriously mm. and so like all this stuff like it I, I I love these like uh, you know the these whatever they are you know uh, people stuck in a dark room somewhere coming up with recipes uh, you know and and somberly assembling them like that's great I do love that I love to drink that shit but I'm I'm out here to like, I guess not. and I couldn't agree yeah. more I feel like oh, sorry go on, right uh, yeah I was just gonna say the idea that. You know, putting certain things in beer just like really offends someone's sensibilities, much like your lactose Twitter account. Like, I don't know, it just makes me want to do it more when it bothers people. It just, you know, you can do do whatever you want. And people, if people like it, then you should, you should uh, make those beers, I think. And you should make those jokes and yeah, not, not taking things too seriously. There's plenty of beers you can have if, you know, all you want is something super, super traditional and we can make those too. And we do. Um, but once in a while you're going to get, yeah, something super weird, like a banana Imperial, <laughs> whatever that was. They're just, they're just worried. It's like communism. It gets a foothold. Next thing you know, all your fucking natty lights full of lactose and you give them an inch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like, why the fuck not, right? I mean, like, but like from Fairweather, you know, you might like you might have this Fonzo mango sour with lactose, cardamom, vanilla, and uh, like vanilla and cinnamon. But at the same time, you've also got California King, which is one of the best West Coast IPAs that I had in the past year. Like, there's no reason you can't have both. I don't think. Could not. Well, yeah, and I mean, we have ten taps, so yeah, we could make ten. You know sort of they'd be they'd be a little too similar for my liking if we avoided you know some of these sometimes cartoonish uh beers i I think it's fun and gives like unique options for it's something that i love is when people come through the door and they go like what like what is that and then they drink it and they go wow you pulled it off and like that sounds so weird and it worked and i i love that that's part of the you know, when, when you've and done it, all these traditional styles, it's it's a place to go next. It has to be oh. objectively delicious, though. Like, you have to fucking yeah. do it. 
you know, like, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, like we, we try to, uh, we, we make a, a really deliberate point of trying to make a really wide variety of offerings and not because we think that that's what the market wants or whatever, although we do think that, um, it's, it's because making beer is fun. I think that's why we're supposed to do it. Um, and it's interesting. And if you did the same thing all the time, it would be boring. Um, and it's just truly like the character of the place. That is what we want to do. Um, and so like, and I think maybe like, the result of that is like, there are many ways to kind of skin this cat. You can be a specialist. That's great. Um, you can, uh, whereas us actually, I could see it maybe being a perceived weakness is that we don't have a clear enough, um, identity when it comes to our products. They're making all kinds of stuff. You're kind of everywhere. And I get it, but we've always been all over the place and we'll continue to be that, um, and when, you know, maybe the style that you've, you know, hitched your identity to becomes passe, um, you know, then you, when you pivot, it doesn't come across as unauthentic or whatever. Like we've always been trying to do whatever. And you know what, like we're as vulnerable to the whims of, uh, whatever the zeitgeist is at the moment anyways. So like, uh, you know, maybe one day people won't be making fruity lactose sours because they got sick of it. And you know what, maybe we'll be sick of it by then too. And we'll be right there with the pack. It's like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to, not trying to hitch my wagon to this or whatever. It's just fun. We're just, we just like them. They're tasty. Uh, they're, they're fun. They're hedonistic. They're, I don't know what's not to like. They're a little too. They're they're a little sweet to drink all night. That's what's not to like. Other than that, I'm happy. I totally feel I that. that. I, yeah, I love that a lot. And and I've heard that sort of criticism um, before, where you know maybe brewers have hit themselves to a particular style or genre or something of beer. What happens when that goes out of fashion? Obviously, they'll pivot, but they've been well so well known for the other stuff. It might be a bit of a challenge to pivot. Whereas like what you're known for is not being known for something. And that is something that, you know, you're not the first to do that. So it's not like uncommon or weird to not do that. And I think, I can't remember who's said it, but I think it's so cool to have this and this like on paper, this is something that maybe you, this is probably a little more toned down version of something that the, the folks a few years ago would have got mad at, but it would have been in that general wheelhouse but then we just had a beautiful, well-made and well-executed, you know, dry hop pilsner. So, and then, the, you know, like it's, you guys can do, you know, to do everything. Mm-hmm. It's like you've got the traditional stuff that you execute very, very well and very highly. Um, and then you've got this more fun, crazy shit. Once again, like you said, it's beer. We're here to have fun. That was kind of mine and Nate's argument. Like it is beer. We like and they kind of actually gives me shit for that because like innovation for the sake of innovation in beer, we kind of always joke about like the most ridiculous stuff. I'm just here for it. Like I love, like if I had went, walked into, last time me and Nate, when we were there, when we saw you there, 
I didn't realize, but you guys had the Luca and you had Donna on the Luca tap. That is by far my favorite thing in the world to have. If I'm going to go to a brewery, the very first thing I'm going to do is get a crispy. And then as I go on, then I'll try some more ridiculous shit. So it's like, I, I really like that you guys have that. You've got like the Luca with a, like a really well-made crispy beer, like Lago, Pilsner, or whatever. And then you've got some kind of ridiculous shit. Like you said, the banana beer um, from a few months back and like something like this, which I would argue is like I said, mildly ridiculous, but ridiculous enough that it, it comes under just like fun candy. And it t- just tasting it now, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it looks like mango nectar, this beer. Like there's yeah. no head... Is <laughs> it's totally mango nectar, um, yeah. and it's very like it looks like it'll be like like a, a chore to swallow. It looks so thick, but it's it's fantastic. It's like it's actually like really balanced. Sunny five point six. Um, I feel like it's definitely got that sort of candy, like you were saying. I'm definitely getting like that mango candy vibe from it. All of these spices and all those things are, are just once again on brand it's ridiculous but they used well that's the difference because you can have these crazy things in here and you could fucking put like mm-hmm. buckets of lactose in the thing and it's like a you know an enamel scraper type of thing and give you a, a, a cavity off the rip but i think this is really well executed like it almost like has no business being this good with what's in it i don't know if you guys can even well, like, expand on that i mean we try try to make sure that everything is like like first and foremost, again, like you you have to be able to go like I want to drink this like and and there's plenty of room like like for example at this very moment, it's not my style to like I'm not that interested in putting like like pastries in the kettle or or in the mash tun or like you know even those like those beers where it's like you know fruit puree or the like slushy beers we've mm-hmm. never done that I don't particularly like it but I do see why people like it. And I go like, fuck yeah, man, like do it, slush it up, throw those goddamn cakes in the fucking HLT. I don't care. Do it. It's awesome. Um, it hasn't been our thing. And that's not to say it never will be. Um, but uh, we like our beers. And, you know what? To some extent, like it's just the way you do. Some people get used to doing things a certain way. And we got used to doing things our way. And so when, uh, you know, our beers are not, they're not, you know, bone dry, you know, we're not, uh, we're not uh, some of these other breweries that they make, they make all their beers like hella bone dry and they're, they're beautiful and delicate and all that stuff. You know, you got like your Sonnen Hills and Avelings and stuff. And like the way that they make those beers are like, beautiful and we don't make those you know our beers are not molded that way they're another but they're also not like big and wild like like uh you know third moon or whatever they we try to like find this sort of in between um because we truly like both approaches it's great and i think just because that's the position, you know, I, I would have to assume that some people on the one side of the spectrum, like they don't, they don't like, you know, people who are exclusive, make exclusively really bone dry, <clears throat> delicate uh, beers. 
I have to assume that they don't like those other styles of beer. And maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, and that's why they don't make them and they stay so far away from it. For me, it's like I genuinely, like, I think we all like both things. Mm. And so we find ourselves just like our methodology leaves, our processes leave the beers kind of falling in between, which is where we want to be. So mm. that's, that's good job. Hmm. That's really interesting. Some of the beers that you do, I would describe as beautiful. And I know what you're saying, but I know exactly what you mean. Like, I feel like Pillow Talk, like Donut, like even Silky, like the straight up, um, uh, like low ABV stout and stuff. Like it's just money. Traditional, on style, like the people who get mad at our lactose stuff back in the day would be circle jerking over those type of beers because they're really well done. But you've also found this really cool middle ground, exactly what you're saying. And I think the best example of that, and Nate, I, I imagine you'll agree right now, is when we saw you in December round, we were, we were drinking the Wishing Well, the 2022 uh, Wishing Well, which is your um, annual um, you know, big pastry, I guess you call it a pastry start. Is that fair to call it that-ish? Yeah, that, that's completely fair. We don't okay. refer to it that way in the marketing or anything, but like, yeah, that's right. So it's they're not barrel aged. They and we like do it just just so you know, this is how dope I think they are. I came in to get um I wanted I came to get one for Nate and one for me, and then I saw you had the big like that chest with like the last two years. So I'm like, all right, fuck it. And I got uh all three for myself. And then I came back and got the other two for Nate for a Christmas gift, and then I got all three for my brother for a Christmas gift. So like yeah. I just think they were the most beautifully presented beers. Um, I'm going to sit on them maybe for a little bit. And then when Nate and I hung out there, we both had a pour of it. And it was just like, it was so interesting because it would be the ingredients of the beer are what people would consider a pastry. I had, you know, coffee. I think this one had, you have a mate in it. Um, there's some sort of a nut, maybe it's hazelnut or almonds or something. Um, chocolate, cacao or something. Maybe you guys can correct me for 2022. Um, I think the nuts were from a previous year, but okay. this year is toasted coconut, espresso, uh, yerba mate. Um, was there cacao, vanilla, cacao, maybe? Vanilla is probably what I was thinking of. So, I, yeah, I don't think there's vanilla, though, yeah. There might not. Okay. Yeah. Either way, it was ingredients that would typically be found in a pastry stout, but it was just, it was so refined and, and arguably like a restrained, which is coming to that middle ground. I, I guess I'm just trying Definitely. to like echo what you're saying, Ram. Is it like, I really feel like that's, that was a really good example because that was a big, you could have gone balls to the wall and chucked some fucking cakes and all that stuff, which I have no problem with. I enjoy those things too. But I feel like you guys found a nice middle ground to do a beer like that, that um, had all of those things in it. But was super, you know, it was like 2 p.m. on an afternoon, a weekday afternoon, and we were just like happily crushing this 10 point something, you know, percent beer that was just delicate, wasn't over the top, delicious, roasty. It was just, it was just like a nice middle ground for for something like that. So it's actually, I'm, I'm more looking forward to them after drinking a, a full pour on um, on draft. I think it's really cool that you guys are able to to sort of you know ride that line and finesse it sort of you know before you can do. But we just had like pillow talk and then you can do something like that wishing well, which is, um, I don't know. I, I think it sort of speaks to like the brand that you guys have built within yourself, like the, 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 um, the experimental whilst being 
like maybe chilling on the it's like sort of ridiculous but also restrained and 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 ex, the execution is a one because sometimes you can be people be like ah and i don't have a problem again it's innovation for the sake of innovation throwing shit in the ferment like ah go nuts and sometimes it's great sometimes it's a little crazy but you guys seem to have found like a nice little way that just works for you that sort of works for the brand i think it's just all like it all comes around to this like it just all of it just makes sense and it's all just super on brand for everything you do it's just great very cool man it's cool to hear you guys say it and it's I feel like it's echoing things I already felt but never verbalized that I felt it and didn't realize. I don't know if you had anything yeah, to add to that. It's yeah. refreshing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's very kind of you guys. I'm glad that I'm glad that it's hitting you that way um, because that's what we want. Um, and if, if it lands where you want it to be, even in the, you know, like, uh, you know, you never, you never really even know how, how you want it to land yeah. it's like this nebulous thing of going like i gotta make we're gonna make this thing we're gonna make it the way we want it and then hopefully people are gonna enjoy it and that can mean many things but like the fact that there's some sort of uh like connection between the way i the nebulous way that i feel about it and the nebulous way that you feel about it means that uh, we're going in the right direction, which is, which feels amazing. It's like, it's very, uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, I also need, like, I need to say, like, I really do love the way, like, you know, I may be able to describe, you know, the Son and Hills beers as like very beautiful and elegant, but I also think like, you know, third moon and them, they're making also like these very beautiful, loud beers um, that are decadent as hell and they like they're they're joyful you know and like I, I love that too i think it's it's so great like you said it's probably one of the best times to be a beer drinker in this province i just feel like there's such a a breadth of just fantastic options in all in all directions like For just sure. like you were saying uh, you would probably love talking to is uh, mark horsley at barrel heart that I guy, was, he's, yeah, I've had him. It, oh, you he's have a, when he was at bench, and I was texting him the other day because I know he's at Barrel Heart and he's opened up the place in Ancaster here, and I uh, wanted to come say good day and, and uh, check out the new spot. And I love also he's from he's from Brisbane, so he's an Aussie. Oh, yeah. so, uh, Mark is a yeah, champion. Yeah, yeah. You're Countryman, right. Yes, that. exactly. So like, yeah, I remember, I met him a few years ago because Bench were one of our clients early on, actually, before they opened. So we sort of helped them with their social side of things uh, before they opened. So I got to know Mark a little bit and, and, and everything. And um, he's a great, I'll let you finish with that. But yes, great dude. And uh, he's on that full other sort of the beautiful beer side. That was really his jam was yeah. that sort of that the funk side. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, and he's great at like he, the way he like, he lives it the way he thinks about beer and stuff is like, is really fun. Uh, I, I, I like the way that that guy, uh, d does his thing is very much his thing. I get with, there was a, uh, Thomas, our head brewer went out to help him one day. He's moving a bunch of his barrels, <laughs> uh, from, uh, reverence barrel works where they were. And he said, like, the, the, the most marked thing happened ever, where they're moving all these barrels onto, like, a transport truck. And, uh, and Mark goes to, like, 
the the guy who's driving the truck who's just like seeing the barrels get loaded on he goes like so like you're gonna drive delicately right because like there's a pellicle and you don't want to disturb the pellicle and the guy's just like looking at him like he's from a fucking another planet he's asking not to fuck with the pellicle uh that shit is hilarious i don't even know what that is (laughs) it's a whole thing oh last month Anyway, I, I got let me duck out of here for two, uh, two seconds. You three keep it up. Okay, no problem. That's the point of having all of us. So, no, um, then let's let's pick up on the story because I know we just uh, grab the beer, then we always go on tangents. This is how it goes, Brent. We just go on tangents for a bit. And, yeah. Uh, you know, you come back to the story eventually. So, um, you guys, uh, once you had sort of the, the calls with Sean and, you, you know, everything was sort of going, what year was that, by the way? That'd be 2016. So doors open 2017. Um, okay. Yeah. Why Hamilton was, and was was at home, and you guys just wanted to? It it was kind of uh, so at the time Ram and I were both living in Niagara, um, but yeah, both had a lot of love for Hamilton, um, having having you know lived nearby and visited a bunch leading up to um, the time that we decided to, to put the brewery there. But there was also a huge uh, void in the market in Hamilton at the time. There was like collective arts was getting off the ground. Um, uh, we found out as we were building the brewery that um, Merritt was, uh, was coming along and Clifford was being built at the time. But, you know, there, there was not much um, shed in Dundas uh, or Sean and Ed, I think they're called now. Um, but there, there wasn't. There's one or two breweries, basically, in in such a large city that's at the, you know, the crux of Niagara and Toronto, that whole like Golden Horseshoe area, and so much population. And, um, yeah, we just we thought that if we could find a building in the right area in Hamilton, that that would be a great place to start. Um, and yeah, we we did some building shopping there, and and eventually found something you guys have been to the brewery it's a, it was a bigger building than we were comfortable kind of signing a lease to at the beginning but um to to circle back to to sean um hoyne who has that brewery out west he had so much success so fast with his brewery that you know he started with a little building in a, in a kind of like an industrial park and he had to keep sort of like asking his neighbors to move out and take over the next space and knock out the wall and take over the next space and he's so telling us from day one, oh, you want a big building. Oh, wow, look how cheap per square foot uh, real estate is to, to lease in Hamilton. And, you know, oh, yeah, you're going to want this and you're going to want that. And um, so we signed on to something that, yeah, it was, it was a little bit stressful at the time, you know, given yeah, the context of the stories we've already told about our, our personal lives and financial situations at the time. But, um we, we made it work and, and yeah, we, we were lucky to find this sort of like unicorn type building in a, in a zoning that is industrial, but you know, in a, in a high quality, high density residential neighborhood where there's not really much in the way of industrial. Uh, there's a, there's a factory nearby and then there's uh, a funeral home and then there's grain and grit, another brewery. And apart from that, it's all residences all around. So we got really lucky with that. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Why Hamilton? It just seemed like there was, there was so much opportunity there and, 
um, especially for a brewery at the time. And we ended up opening kind of like on the exact same timeline as Merit within a week of each other. And we didn't know that they were doing that and they didn't know that we were doing that. And it, there were a lot of funny coincidences there, um, that, the overlap we had with Merit in that regard. That's very cool. Do you guys still think, because one thing, and now I'm here, like it kind of feels like Hamilton is still, even with what, probably six, seven breweries here, maybe? It feels still like under, like the brewery, excuse me, community is underserved still. Um, like it could be, there's a lot of room for growth, I guess is what I'm saying. If you look at Toronto or uh, well, like Ottawa, anywhere else, like, you know, Hamilton's the third biggest city in um, in Ontario. I learned when we were moving here, I looked that shit up. I'm like, all right, cool, cool. Um, and, yeah. you know, being that there's that many breweries here, I'm just like, well, if it's a third biggest city, there's like six breweries, seven breweries. Like, you know, there's a lot of room. So it's pretty dope that you guys were one of the earlier ones, like, you know, probably in like, you know, third, fourth, if, if you sort of open the same time as Merit there. Um, yeah, do you guys see a lot of potential still in the area? Because yeah, from for me, it feels like there's like it's just scratching the surface. It's it's hard to say. Um, I think like in terms of sort of density of where the breweries are located, you know, us and Grain and Grit and uh, Sean and Ed is right around the corner. So that's three breweries in a, in a pretty tight geographical area. And then just up the hill in Ancaster, you have uh, – Brewers Blackbird and now Barrelheart is up that way as well. So I guess, yeah, we're at seven maybe with the addition of, of Mark's new brewery there. Um, but then Clifford is in a different area of the city. Merritt is in a different area being downtown. There's nothing on the mountain. So like that's an area of opportunity maybe where a lot like a lot of people live up there. Yeah. Um, but it so much of it comes down to like this really boring kind of issue of zoning of where are you allowed to do this? And then when you find out where you're allowed to do it. Is that a place where you want to open up? And the answer is not always yes. When you figure out where the zoning is appropriate, um, which again is like us and grain and grit. I think we're all, we're super fortunate to be in the neighborhood that we're in because um, it, it doesn't strike you as industrial when you, when you walk down the street or down the rail trail there. No, not at all. And it's not, like, not at all right next to residential too like literally right next to it, it depends which way you go out if you keep going out that off-field road or whatever it's like like whatever 50 meters is houses right there so yeah it's, it's um, just far enough we can kind of blast the patio speakers as loud as <laughs> very convenient indeed um yeah yeah so like the sorry that was kind of like an off-topic question i was just curious the way you guys thought about that because that was just something i've been thinking about here like i feel like they're like oh you know there's not that many in comparison but you're right it depends on the zone and that makes sense so then 2017 you guys opened um do you remember the beers that you opened with yeah well yeah so back to just like merit again the i, I remember the day that we found out that there was another brewery that was on almost the exact same trajectory of, of opening day as us. And we got invited to go down and, and meet um, Tej and Spinney down there. And we thought we were doing all this like novel stuff with our decor and, you know, doing this like uh, burnt wood aesthetic and stuff. And we got down there and like, Oh, they, they did that. And like, Oh, what's your first beer? Like we're brewing a grisette. They're like, Oh yeah, a grisette. And they're like, Oh shit. And they're just all these different examples of, um, 
yeah, them, them doing stuff, but like one week ahead of us. And it was, uh, I don't know, a really funny coincidence. Um, sorry, what was the question? I got really off track there. No, that, that's actually really good to know. Um, do you remember the beers that you guys opened with? So I guess obviously. Yeah, right. Like- yeah. So Grisette. Um, and then, yeah, that was the very first one. And then we did a pale ale, um, was our second brew. And beyond that, uh, Rom probably remembers better than me. <laughs> Yeah, Saison America was one, I think. When, back when yeah, we, we thought, did. like, oh, we're buying a, a whole bale of whole leaf hops. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah, yeah, Nobody does that. Yeah. We did, we did Grisette. That's the first beer we ever made. Um, and from that, we went. Uh, so it was like we had two yeast strains, right? We had Cali and we had a old world Saison from Escarpment. So uh, with those, we made Grisette was the first one because I wanted to like really ease it in to a low ABV uh, kind of like yeast starter sort of beer. Um, so that's what we did. And then we took the Cali and we brewed a like sort of Sierra Nevada style, like American pale ale, which is, you know, even by then was a little bit dated, but, but we liked it. Um, and then that next the grisette got pitched into a dry hop saison, which we, we had a bunch of whole leaf citra. Um, so we dry hopped the saison with the citra, um, that was called saison America. And then, uh, that pale ale pitch got turned into an IPA that we, again, we talked about ultimately, uh, some version of it turned into high grade um, and uh, silky uh, our porter, which has Porter's really changed. Um, that has been kind of the same uh, since early days. And then we did have a, a kettle sour, which to me was like quite bold because I had never made a sour beer before I had, I did in like a cooler when we were in school one time, it didn't go well, but I figured like, I think we get this. It's not, it's not that complicated. And so we made this dry hop kettle sour and that must be all of them. I think that was it. Like, yeah. Hey, yeah. little IP. Don Grisette yeah. Porter, uh, dry hop sour. I'm, I'm struggling to remember a little bit cause we didn't have our, our, uh, retail store license when we opened. So we just had draft beer. Right. Um, but, yeah, and we didn't name the beers really, apart from maybe Silky had a had a name, but it was like Pack NW, like Pacific Northwest uh, IPA, which yeah probably was uh, predecessor to High Grade. Um, again, very different now. Uh, that Grisette and um, Swoon was one we did not long after that. Um, in that with that saison strain, but probably not opening day. That was a couple a uh, couple weeks down the line. Yeah. How did the local market take to those farmhouse beers? Being that they're probably not the oh. most common thing. Yeah, no. Well. Didn't go. You may be able to deduce that from the fact that we don't really make them anymore. And uh, yeah, it was a thing that, you know, we really liked. And you can brew beers that you like uh, till the cows come home, but. You, you do have to have that sort of Venn diagram where other people like them as well. Um, otherwise they don't sell. And we just found that, yeah, uh, 
I don't know. We, we thought we were making really good examples of those styles. And I, I still think that, but um, I just don't know if they were to the tastes of, of our local market. And so that was something that was a bit of a hard pill to swallow at first. And we had to move away from the Belgian stuff. And we still, you know, once in a while, we'll bring them back. We've got a, a Belgian sour on right now. Um, but it just didn't seem like something that consumers in our, our neck of the woods really wanted at the time. Makes sense. And, and, uh, and, uh, it go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Ron. I was just going to say it didn't, it didn't help that we uh, didn't have like, you can sort of get away with that stuff and like, and, and uh, get people to like it the way they should like it. If you have some credibility in the industry and whatever, and like people are going to trust you, but we didn't have that. We were like neophytes to the industry. We like, you know, had barely had jobs at places that didn't have much of a presence in the industry. We didn't know people. There was no hype. There's nothing like that. So um, people didn't trust us. Um, and so, yeah. like, I really like this beer. Um, you know, they're going to go like, well, I don't. And, like, I don't immediately like it. Whereas sometimes you go like, well, your palate needs a little adjusting. But who am I to say that? I'm not in a position of trust with you. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and we opened, um, we had 10 taps, but I think we only had four beers on and two of them were Belgian and yeah, we didn't have a lager. So we didn't, we didn't have nearly the diversity of brands that we like to have on now where, um, it was just like, Oh, you have four beers and half of them are Belgian and like, I don't like Belgian stuff. And so it was kind of like, Oh, you go somewhere else. That was like the, <laughs> was all we could really say. Um, we didn't say that. What's that? I said, half of people don't even know what Belgium is. It's like a pseudo country. Um, you know, like, what do you say? Like Belgian beers. They don't know that. What is Belgian beer? Yeah. Sorry. You yeah, it's that fun. It, it, it's, yeah. It, it, it's funny that it, it's funny the way that uh, that like styles uh, the, the, like go in and out at certain uh, like at certain periods of time. I mean, we were talking to uh, Block Three just a few like just a few weeks ago about how uh, like about their, how their whole journey with having King Street saison as their like as their flagship. Um, and, 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 you know, they, they're, they're coming up now on their, ten, like on their 10 year anniversary and their market is also a little bit different than, uh, like than you guys being in a bit of a touristy zone. Um, anyway, but I know, like, but I know you had uh, Grisette, um, re-released, uh, like pretty recently. So I guess, and, and Ron, you kind of already alluded to this, but I guess you guys feel like you have a bit more room to uh, like to play with the, with those kind of styles now to uh, like to mix them into the lineup here and there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, we can we can uh, do it a little bit more now. I'm part of like uh, making beers like that is is all like we're a little bit better at like what are you gonna do with this like um, that yeast that is right so you go like mm -hmm. we've got this really impressive fun yeast like i would like to uh, rejuvenate our barrel program by 
making uh, beers that have an interesting phenol profile. And um, I'd also like to, along the way, uh, make a grisette because I think it's a beautiful style of beer. And then maybe we'll make something else, you know, in this case, like we've got a kettle sour beer that's fermented with uh, that really expressive Belgian yeast and dry hop and stuff. And it layers flavor in a really interesting way. Um, and that'll be the end of the line for that. So like this yeast, you know, maybe we'll get, we'll get uh, three. Yeah. Green. I love that's right. Uh, uh, we'll, get, we'll get a couple of batches out of this thing. And other than that, like, it's just, it's going to be what it is. I mean, you don't have to marry it. It's just like, we want to make a handful of these beers. We know how to manage this strain for as long as we want to. We call up any of our friends and see if anybody has some use for it. And if not, then just like, let it, let it be. Oh, it makes cool. sense. Yeah, I like that. Um, uh, just uh, just noting the time, we should probably crack beer number four before Brent has to jet. Yes. Yeah. Um, Brent, the other one that you had was... Um, uh, Thirst World. Let's do that. Yeah, sure. Love it. Love to hear it. So now we're moving into double IPA land which is a wonderful place to be. Uh, this one is a double IPA with dry hop of Moteca and Sabro, which is dope. There's Moteca uh, back in there again. Look at that. What a fantastic hop. And Sabro is the old uh, love it or hate it type shit. But um, I don't, I'm in the love it department for Sabro. I think it's fantastic. Um can you guys uh, speak to this one at all for us? Let us know where you're going. Yeah. Um, I, so that, that idea of like, uh, like thir thirst world being like, you know, uh, thirst, thirst world problems, first world problems. We just like, we wow. have a shit ton of Motueka and uh, Sabro and like, what a problem to have. So we decided like we're gonna we're gonna plow double IPA with things because nothing like especially like this came out after we had done pillow rock and you could see that like that fruit loopy limey thing kind of peeking out. And to me, nothing like emphasized the like over the top kind of candy character of hops like Sabro does. It 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 underpins this like tropical quality um with that coconut sorbet kind of thing and Ooh. so it's hard i know i know what you mean with the like love hate thing uh it's all all good i don't know to some extent like it feels i don't know i don't i, don't, I like it i I, like I, it I feel yeah i feel like it's like uh objectively likable but People it's, say it tastes uh, like soap or something. I think that's the problem. I think it's like you know, um, uh, what's that other shit? The the it's got two names. It's cilantro. Uh, cilantro can taste mm. like soap to some people, and I think it's that same concept where some people's taste buds are affected by sabro in the same way. So I agree I, well, with you. I, I think you don't like, like it. I, I feel like it's just that the coconut thing can like, can sometimes go in a sunscreen direct, uh, like direction. That's the one. That's what of, people uh, say. Uh, like, like it's kind of how how some people describe it. Which is yeah, for sure, for sure. 
I, I, I could understand like, yeah, that being objectionable. Like what a cool thing though, that cheers. you can get a hop that's cheers. So coconutty that it borders on like coconut sunscreen. Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's like almost like, oh man, it sucks for you that your uh, fucking taste buds are doing that to you. Cause certainly yeah, does not happen to you. Yeah. It seems very unfortunate. Cause I think cyber is incredible, but like, uh, you know, Devil, whatever. To be fair, like I can see it going that way. I can see what they're talking about. It's just, I guess, the four of us is not happening to, um, because it's like yeah, the, the the dislike seems like visceral for people who don't like it, and I just imagine it's just some sort of like poor reaction from the chemicals of the the hop to their taste buds. But um, I also hear that Sabro it, is. I imagine the Motec is the dominant hop, and the Sabro is significantly under as far as the percentage wise. I've heard that makes a difference. I, I, in a, as a general rule of thumb, would say like uh, play down the Sabro, uh, let it, let it uh, live in the background. I think that this is fifty fifty. Interesting. I could probably. Get that? This, the coconut's pretty heavy in this bad boy. Which, it is, um, yeah, for sure. Which is, but which I mean, it was all coconut. Fuck out of here. Yeah, who doesn't like it? coconut? Is beautiful. Um, <laughs> it's such a great hop, and it's like it works well with the moteca. Like, it's kind of like a pina colada. Thing. Obviously, that's automatically what you think of with this, but I feel like there's, like, it's not pina colada automatically because sabros in there. It's like depends what else is around it. Um, but I feel like I'm yeah. If you've got that. a like, if you've got another hop in there that is giving off any kind of pineapple vibe, like mix it with Sabro, and you're definitely like, you're going to go straight to pina colada. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think and it's a bad thing at all. We make we make this beer called Listenerland, um, and we also have the good fortune of uh, living across the street from like one of the larger candy factories in North I America. smelled that today, bro. I was walking from the car and I was like, what the fuck smells so good? And I didn't realize. I meant to ask when you guys were describing the neighborhood. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. That was delicious today. Okay. No, it's so good. It's, it's lovely. Um, these guys are wild, dude. They got like, a, like giant tanker trucks full of high fructose corn syrup lined up 24-7 around the block, just getting hosed out. Um, it's crazy how much candy they make over there, but you know, smell the whole neighborhood smells yeah. like whatever they're making. And you can identify, you go like some days I'll go like, they're making those watermelon slices. Like I know it. I know that they're doing that over there. Yeah. And it's a gummy. Fat. Uh, is it actually high fructose corn syrup or is it just some other little uh, sticking agent? Could be medium uh, fructose <laughs> corn syrup. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It's great answer great answer i think it is because that that's just like the uh the that's standard. the easiest way to like have liquefied sugar and it's very uh very cheap i think that is what they're full of but yeah it's specifically a gummy factory so they're just mixing that with some color basically and pouring it into molds and baking it and that's yeah like a million pounds of candy a day or anything like that yeah, and and the beauty of it is like we're on the absolute right side of them because you can't apparently run a candy factory that size without lighting it on fire like every week or two. And so Whoa. they come out and it's the middle of the winter and they're all cold and stuff. So we bring them into the brewery. And next thing you know, there's like 
300 candy makers in the brewery kind of huddled in their little towels until uh, until the brewery gets turned off of the fire that they've uh, created. And Jeez. and then every time they bring us big bags of candy as like gratitude. And so like, uh, yeah, we got diabetes over here. Um, but all that today, um, we make this beer called Listener Land and they bring us these tropical Sour Patch Kids that have that like little bit of coconut flavor in them and stuff. And I swear to God, like when that stuff is fresh, like it is full tropical Sour Patch Kids. It is the most delicious thing. It again makes me like, like giddy, like these like lactose fruity beers do because like, are you telling me that this just comes from like, like, like weird green flowers? That's what's, that's what's making it taste this way is like this plant material. It's bizarre. Um, so it's, put- it's pretty incredible with this beer that you can make these flavors out of like what is essentially a weed. That's a great point. I mean, do you actually put the candy in the beer? I would. I would, but too busy eating it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's the best exa- best excuse I've ever heard. Like I can't yeah. I, I can't yeah. see. It. You know what, man? You'd be you'd be crazy not to just be eating that shit. That sounds amazing. I think you dropped that. That sounds very familiar. I think that was a pretty recent one you did, if I'm not mistaken, the last month or two. Um, when did we last have that, Brent? I think maybe. Yeah, that's a good question. I think we've done it a couple times now. It's it's been a few months for sure. When we initially did it, the reason it was called Listenerland is we had a like a a bunch of different DJs kind of curate and put together a playlist for like patio season. Um, it was during the pandemic. I think the first time we did it. And uh, we had and that all on no DJ sets. Yeah. But no, it's, more, it's been a few months. Recently. Yeah. More, more recently, we made Radar Love, which is kind of like the big, like uh, the big cousin of Listenerland, gotcha. um, which is like the double IPA version of the same beer. We call it Radar Love. Um, and so maybe that's that's where you kind of heard a bit more recently. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Okay, that's pretty dope though. Once again, collaborating locally, neighbors. It's uh, very cool. I love that shit. And this is fantastic, by the way. This is like super bold, tons of coconut, sticky, dank, citrusy, like that key lime vibe in it. Um, great body. Uh, it's fantastic. I don't know if you guys have anything else to add to it, but this is this great. I mean, I think we've like talked about Sabro a lot, but like the the one thing that is like undeniable about this particular hops, whether it's like Sabro, um, I I really like Sriracha Ace. I know it's another divisive one. Um, it can go with the uh, onion onion one, I think. Right? It can go oniony if you don't use it right. Dilly, mad dill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but. Uh, I think also like, you know, Nelson and stuff like that. They, they have these qualities that are like, um, you can never mistake them for just any old hop, right? Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of hop. Yeah. There's a lot of hop profiles out there that require a certain amount of like, you know, sophistication on the palate 
to to figure out what it is. But in this mm. case, like these, like no, I'm a complete left turn from that. Like this is something you haven't had before. We all have because we live in this bubble, right? But um, for your average person who goes like, oh, IPA, and you go like, what the fuck? Why does this taste like wild coconutty? Like mm. you go like, oh, that's the weed that we put in it. You know, this <laughs> random plant. It just happens to make yeah. it taste like coconut, or like, yeah. or if it's like a like a heavy Nielsen one, like why does this taste like white wine grape kind of thing? Yeah, same concept. Yeah, I can imagine this. I mean, you guys, I was saying to Ram today that like it feels like to me that you guys are sort of straddling the middle ground of sort of like you know the gateway people because it's so local friendly um approachable uh, with the big mix of beers and then you've also got the big nerdy stuff for guys you know people like us who are sort of a little more into it um people must kind of like trip out when you're like you know they want to try something new and you're like here have this tell me what you taste and they just lose their shit like why does it taste like coconut like it's a kind of a fun one for i think for for people to kind of really showcase what hops can do because when people always you know, have that misconception that hops are bitter and tongue stripping and blah blah blah, like the old school thing that a lot of people hung up on, still now it's like, well, it's this big fruity tropical bomb and it should taste like coconut or sunscreen, but mostly coconut. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I, th- I think like going back to pillow talk that we had earlier, still that thing about Fruit Loops. Like every time we make it, I always like it, which it's only been a you know, three times maybe, but it's like, is that fruit, fruit loop thing going to come back or is that kind of, was that in our imagination, but it's there enough times. It's like, no, this is a characteristic of this hop that like we all at the brewery kind of go like, huh, oh, that's weird. It's like whatever that combination of like fake fruits in pillow t- or uh, in fruit loops is um, that that hop is doing something that gives us that same kind of aroma in our minds. And I think that's so interesting and, it really comes through in, in a delicate beer like a Pilsner. But yeah, the, the things that you can do with different hops, it's it's always an adventure. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it really is, man. Um, I love that. Now, I'm just being cautious of the time, Brent. I know you have to go. Um, I want to grab the thumbnail and take a screenshot. So just before to make sure that you're in it for the, um, for the thumbnail, do you want to just hold up some cans and stuff? So we can just get that before you have to depart. Sure. Which one do you do? Okay, this one. Yes. Oh, nice go all four there. Okay, I like I like the vibes. <laughs> Beautiful. Got it. Boom. Um, so Brett, we can keep just keep chatting, and you can just uh, jet jet off as need be. Um, but uh, yeah, man, this is this is fantastic. I feel like I haven't had as many double IPAs from you guys, but you guys do kind of pump out a few double IPAs, eh? Like you guys are really like more and more, yeah. And um, yeah, I I heard you guys talking about uh, on on a previous episode about double high grade. I think that's around the corner again too. Um, so I love to hear that. I'm a big fan of that one. Yes, yeah. that one was really good. What about I know Nate mentioned earlier, and one of our well, 
you know, big fan. We we really love West Coast IPAs, and I feel like that West Coast IPAs are not um, they're not really popular really anywhere <laughs> anymore, except sort of out west, maybe maybe back at at uh, Sean's Brewery and stuff. But out here, we Nate and I did an episode a month or two back uh, about West Coast, and there's you know there's a few regularly accessible ones here, and and very few. Um, uh, I don't know if I call them seasonals or one-offs or whatever. And California King was one that um, Nate, I didn't grab it to begin with. And Nate was like, dude, you need to fucking go get California King. So made sure I came by and grabbed that. I was, yeah, I, I was on his ass for that one. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was absolutely valid and it was very, very worth it. Would there be a double of something like that to kind of ramp it up? Uh, and, you know what I'm saying? And do a little, you want a job? That's uh yeah half of, <laughs> half the battle is trying to figure out what we're gonna make next. That's uh, good. that's yeah. a good idea. Maybe we could do that as a collab. I don't know. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, yeah. That's not a, that's not a bad idea. Um, California King, just the the one that you know is is gonna make an appearance again soon. I think too. Beautiful. Um, I do I do have to go though. Like you said, um, thank you for uh for letting me go and um this has been awesome. Uh, we should uh, we should all grab a beer sometime in real life. Yeah, man, I'd love to do that. Uh, great, absolutely. To, great to connect, brother. Do you think? Thank you for your time and for for hanging out. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely we'll keep in touch and we'll figure something out because I'm around the corner and Nate's in town relatively regularly as well. So we'll be able to figure something out. Awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. my pleasure. Take care, guys. Thanks. All right, brother. Thanks a lot, Brent. Cheers. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye. Cheers, man. Double California King, though. I'm liking the idea of that, boys. You know, double, yeah, double California. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Well, they like the the double IPAs have yeah. such a um, such a fullness to them. Yeah, that you. I don't know. I guess you just got to squeeze more malt into less liquid, and like that's just the way that that goes. Um, makes you think about how every beer should it's tough you want you want that to be in kind of every beer but you can't you can't uh replicate it by you know whatever it is maltodextrin or whatever it just doesn't work um just all that um into a small amount of beer is incredible and that you want small beers to taste like that but they can't it's not possible yeah, or maybe it maybe it is, but I don't know how to do it. I don't think so. I think if it was possible, breweries well, breweries continually do double versions of existing brands, which has has become a thing. Uh, I'm seeing it more and more often across the board in multiple places and stuff. And I obviously, and they do that because there is a difference. Like I don't think you're not there's something you're missing. I think it's just. You know, if you've got a brand, something like California King, you can do a double version. You've got high grade, you do double high grade. It's, you know, yeah. ra- basically ramping up uh, a brand. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't too. There's that other thing because sometimes like there's something about that original that's special that when you, like it, maybe it's a double, this the original, and then you try and do it the opposite way and bring it down to a single, might not connect either. So there might be some sort of magic in there, but often it can sort of be replicated. I don't know. I kind of find that interesting because it comes back to one of the original conversations we were having um, this evening about, like, you know, the taking care of a brand, like a brand like High Grade that is so well known and so beloved. Um, 
you know, whether it's here in Hamilton or across the province, you know, taking that and making it double is such a dope idea. Like it's, it's, it's perfect because it's a known brand and it's like, you know, a, a, a slight twist on a known brand that's still keeping it within its, the scope of what makes it what it is whilst just sort of like a little bit of a punch. You know what I'm saying? You could probably even do the opposite, make it a pale ale, drop it down to 4.5 or something and do that version of it. Um, there's nothing stopping that, you know? Like, And I, I imagine a brand yeah, like... I mean, I mean Buck Up Cat did that, did that with Space Juice when they, like when they dropped uh, Space Light. Yeah. There you go. Um, I know that uh, Bell has been doing that with Double Jutsu. They did that Rap Club series where they did like the pale ale version and they've done to a quad version now. They've kind of got taken it a little crazy, um, which is the furthest I've seen anyone take a brand to do four versions of the same beer. Um, uh, no, I think, uh, well, Third Moon with Bone Tree, they've now done, uh, they've now quintuple. done quintuple. <laughs> you are correct. You are correct. I mean, look, I think that's sort of, it's just extending, if you think about it, it's extending a brand, really is what they do. Extending a brand and giving consumers some a little like different of the same thing that they already know and love which you guys are already doing with high grade. So, I mean, like something like California King, which is that probably your primary West Coast that you sort of intermittently bring back, yeah. would you say? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that we made a couple of those styles of beer like back in the day, but Cali King was one of those ones that like, again, you're always trying stuff. And yeah. uh, when we made that beer and all of a sudden could – like taste it and see it. And again, like, I, I don't like, I don't want to overly romanticize things, but like all of that stuff is pulled like kind of from experience, you know, like when I was a kid, my brother lived in California and my family would go and try to like spend time visiting him. And we lived in a van and did the whole thing and did the California thing in the nineties and spent a lot of time in, the sequoias and like cruising around and like in, you know, Morro Bay and the PCH and that shit all meant the world to me. It's stuck in my brain. Mm -hmm. um, and so when the art is the way that it is and the beer is the way that it is. And like back in the day, you know, the beer had no effect on my life until all of a sudden, you know, the, ah, uh, uh early beers for me that sort of like made me really interested in it was Sierra Nevada and stuff from out West. And, um, it's just such an iconic place that to some extent, like my interest in it, uh, and like sort of leaves the beer behind sometimes like you want the beer to be wonderful and all that, but it's like, I, I, I want it to be like this, weird little like it's a it's a very niche way of paying homage to like a a, a place and time and experience that just kind of like means the world to me um it's i love i love the beer but i love the place it's like i love all that stuff it just means the world to me and to see it the way that it is like i just want to keep i just want to keep it you know yeah would That's you really ever cool, man. It's super cool. I, I mean, I guess it's even cooler, right? That it's like some a strong personal connection. W would you guys ever do like, like I don't know if variance is the right word, but like just 
other West Coast, or is that not really as much of a thing out here? Oh, I think I think it's increasingly a thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we would definitely do other West Coast beers. Like, in fact, I have like you know, even just like branding ideas and recipe ideas for those beers that I want to see, and and we will. It's just absolutely like that. You know, uh, the hazy IPAs and all that stuff are are truly wonderful. That has been like a uh, revolution in beer was is that that's what that was but it doesn't negate how wonderful uh you know multi snappy bitter ipas are that was fucking never yeah so yeah those are completely different they're like you know it's it's like saying you know like you know, because, because you made a, because maybe, you know, wit beer is hot. Like, would you never, would you never make a Hefeweizen or whatever? There's just the completely different things and they stand on their own merit. And I, I love them both. I actually don't like Hefeweizen, but it just seems like a, I'm not a big fan. This is live. <laughs> hey, it's okay. Like <laughs> they were cool back in the day. Maybe not now. But I feel you, man. Well, I, I'm sure somebody could change my mind. I just like I just haven't had one that I liked in a in a long time. I actually had a question. Nate, have you had the Sankiem Hefeweizen? I have, yes. What do you think? Is that like one that would convince people? Because I haven't had a Hefe in hot minute. Uh, I I mean, will it convince people? I don't know if I'd say that. It's a very like it's a very good Hefeweizen. Like if you don't like Hefeweizen, I don't know if it's going to change your mind. No, that's fair enough. I feel it. Yeah, almost anything that's that's properly good and well made by somebody who has a who has a a, a thoughtful um, palate yeah. is going to be good. Yeah. So yeah. I. I I, I'm going to redact my I don't like Hefeweizen thing. I think there's probably lots of good <laughs> I would mind to German. Ooh, yeah? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, my my buddy uh, Alex, who used to be the head brewer over at uh, Grain & Grit, is from Germany, and he's the man. I keep I, – he's just like the loveliest guy. I keep meaning to uh, – he and I keep trying to get a trip to Germany going, but um, – I also I also have a young family, so I have to either choose to bring them or abandon them, and both both are difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that because it's hard, dra- you know, dragging young kids around Bavaria. Yeah. To go, hey, we're going to Poland now, guys. Shut up, we're going to Erdinger. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, shut up, we're going to Poland. Yeah, it's like this is what's happening. We're going now. We're going to Pilsen. All right, relax. Yeah, yeah I feel you, man. It's a uh, it's a lot. But um, yeah, all the all those uh, the all the traditional styles are super cool. I mean, look, even you guys are definitely like really like seem to be having multiple crispy boys. Even with um, what was the one you had a Schwartz beer recently? Was it Black Forest? Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Uh, you know, and obviously the the other crispy. You guys really lean into the crispy, so which which is very cool. I love that. Well. 
we've been we've been trying to we had a tank expansion a couple of years ago two years ago maybe um and that allowed us to do that um love that but with regard to black forest i gotta i gotta give it up that's like the only beer that i haven't had uh i haven't been up to my elbows in in this place that was like completely uh zach and ryan and thomas in the back making that beer they made all the decisions maya made the label i think i called it black forest and like and that actually didn't work out well because cameron's has a beer called black forest so the only thing that i did do i fucked it up um but yeah very good i actually kind of like like it because obviously black forest you think of the cake and you expect this fruity stuff but I don't know. There's something about black forest that almost suggests like that sort of piney woodiness that you would sort of anticipate. Even though, like, I guess a, a short spear is to a certain fun. level, but I like, uh, but but I can see people expecting there to be cherries in it, <laughs> right, especially coming from us. Yeah, you that's think true. There's some other, right? Um, speaking of that, do we want to keep keep cruising because we've got two other beers and we've got a crispy and the light bad boy? What do you guys think? I'm 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 Ubering home now, so like I'd be happy to I don't know, muck a muck a Donna or something and let's do it. I'm not scared. Donna. Yeah, I'm already, yeah, I'm already this far into the thing, so it's like yeah, when you come this far, you kind of just like what are you gonna do? Well and I had the uh McMaster uh fermentation club before I came here because I did a brewery tour. Um, and it was good. I thought I kind of wore out all my, uh, all my good material. And I was like, well, you guys are going to get ready for a snooze fest because my throat hurts. And I've been talking shit about beer in this brewery for like hours already. <laughs> but, well, you're doing great. Oh, I appreciate it. You are doing great. So Donna is a, um, <laughs> This is definitely a fave, a uh, you know like a Europe you know pilsner style lager, European hops. You know this is just uh, this is the one that uh, you guys typically have on Luca, as I was uh, mentioning earlier at the brewery. Uh, being a fan of this yeah, one for at a the, bit. yeah at the yeah at the risk of making you uncomfortable from boosting it too much there, Rom. Like like I've gone on record before, and I'm happy to do so again. That I think this is one of the best. Uh, regularly available pilsners in Ontario. Well, yeah, I said that. I, 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 uh, if this is, you know, discomfort, I welcome it. No, that's like that's very kind of you. I appreciate it. I don't know where that comes from. I mean, uh, it's a simple beer. That's the beauty of it, man. I don't think these beers need to be anything more than simple, and that's the point. Like they're not, and the thing is about this, and I would argue, sorry to, to if I cut you off there. I feel like it's like this beer is not trying to be anything aside from what it is, and I think that that's the beauty of the beer. It's and and the fact that you guys are confident enough in the beer as well to put it on Luca, I think says a lot about um, the the end product there, because it's you know I don't think that's anything to to play around with there. If you if you're putting a beer on Luca, you're like, all right, this is some serious stuff. You need to try it in that that format. It's very uh it's very serious. 
And it's cool because even just different to Pillow Talk, which is a dry hot, which is arguably, you know, like a, a newer style, I, I guess, of uh, of beer. Whereas this is just a straight up and down, you know, pills with so, with nothing else happening, no other frills. What would you What would you prefer to drink? Would you uh, on a day when you're, you know, that's a great question. Out wherever, like, what are you? What are you gonna grab? Are you like pillow talk, or are you like Donna? What are, you, what are you in a in a binary universe where you just gonna grab a beer? I have okay. Such an interesting question you to ask that about these two beers. Yeah, um, I'd like to hear Nate's answer too. But like, see my my innovation side, which is coming into like the, the fun zone, all the fun lactose, ridiculous beers that, you know, pastries and blah, 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 that would lean towards, um, the, the, the dry hot version, the pillow top. Then I have this, I've grown, I don't even know when or what the fuck happened to me, but like something happened where I'm just like fell in love with crafts, pilsners, lagers and, and all that thing. And, and the, tra- in the truest traditional style, which includes things like the Schwarzbier, uh, just a proper traditional porter, things like that, like just traditional shit that I before wasn't super interested. Yes, I know we're going to cheers. Cheers so we can actually drink. Cheers, boys. Cheers, boys. Um, Keep talking. Mm. Uh, like without being like lazy, I kind of – I love them kind of equally. If I'm – I'd almost like both, like to be at, if, I don't know if that's okay to say that, but like, I would almost like to be like, well, if I go into the brewery and like I said, when me and Nate were, were hanging out and uh, we saw the Luca tap, I was like, oh fuck. And we asked the bartender, I'm like, Hey, is that, what's on the, that's Luca tap. Yeah. They're like, yeah, that's done. I'm like, fuck, oh, man. And it was just a, like, we'd already sort of like basically wrapped up our, our drinking that day. So it was like two, we kind of missed the boat with it. So that's exciting to me, but at the same token, I'd almost kind of like do one of each because they are very different. They're very similar whilst being very different. Is that lazy? Is that a lazy answer? Do I have to choose gun to head? It's a bit lazy. Okay, gun to head. Maybe I'd probably choose pillow talk because it's the best of both worlds. There you go. Best of the innovation, the fun stuff where you've done something different to it. Whilst also the base being a completely traditional, like, you know, exactly what it's supposed to be. And the people who get mad at the lactose stuff would be in love with Donna for all of those reasons. Um, what would you both say? I'd love to hear what you both would say for that. Uh, Rom, you go first. No. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, All right, that's amazing. Uh, yeah. So, so like, like similarly, there like there are different worlds in which I like in which I prefer both. But I'm going to answer the question in the spirit that it, that it was asked. Um, like my like my cheating my, my cheating C answer would like like would have been a, like I also like both. Like around this time of year. Um, I probably would, uh, like, I probably would have said pillow talk, whereas in the middle of summer, I might've said Donna, but like, as I said, I'm going to answer the question in the spirit that it was asked, um, gun to my head. If I had to pick one in kind of, like in kind of a universe where like all things being equal, which one am I going to choose for me? 
I think it's Donna. Uh, like having had good German style pills, uh, the, the, like. Whether, like whether it's uh, like like on regular draft, so right from the can, uh, like or on lucre, it it just doesn't get any better than that. So uh, yeah, like and it's good all year round. It's like it's just so crisp. It's like it, it just makes me happy every single time I drink it. So yeah, I'm saying Donna. I like that. Now it's on you, Rob. Yeah, it's it's tough because I'm I'm, I'm inclined to go like they're uh, they're both very like they're such crushable beers that you go like mm. if you want to I always say like it's as easy to crush them like it's as easy to contemplate them as it is to crush them um, and that's fun and but. I do drink Donna more, but quite often I go like, why am I not drinking pillow talk when it's around or whatever, mm. you know, like having, having that like sitting around, it's like, it's such a, uh, it's such a delicate, like lovely little experience. And, and it's so like fragrant and, I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to sound too corny, but it's like, it's like kind of enchanting that mm. pillow talk. Um, but, but Donna is, uh, is a go-to and that's what I drink uh, most of the time. And so that's, that's probably it. But that pillow talk plays with me. So like, I, yeah, I like that beer a lot. Yeah. It's definitely special. It's a really fucking good beer. Yeah, it's almost like there's different situations and it sort of depends. It's almost like, uh, yeah, it's gonna say, oh, there's such circumstances for both. And like, it's like. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a case of I de- like I don't want to have to choose. There you go. That's the best answer. And also, the easiest answer is if you go to the brewery and Donna's on Luca and Pillow Talk is not on Luca, then the answer is Donna. That's really what it comes down to. That's another interesting thing because, like, why aren't they all on taps like that? Great question. Good I question. Mean, some people have argued the cost of the taps, and I, I don't know what a regular tap costs versus a Luca. It doesn't seem obscenely more expensive, but it looks... But it's more expensive. It's not, but it's definitely more expensive. You would say if a if a regular if a regular faucet costs a hundred dollars or a hundred and fifty dollars, a lucre costs or actually, you know what? To to be fair, because we keep saying this word, that's not a lucre faucet out front. Um, okay, that it's a side. It's an American side pole. Um, which doesn't have the filter, the screen in it that a lucre tap does. Okay. Um, okay. It's, a ball, it's a ball valve um, in a stainless steel casing, and it creates really fine foam when you want to. It has incredible range as opposed to the kind of like on-off sputtering that your standard uh, uh, just like uh, – 
faucet has. But um, while I the only the, we don't have lucre faucets because they'll stick out fucking like a foot into the thing and we can't fit them. Um, but when I do see people who have them, they tend to have a little bit of trouble with it. Um, I, I, I see, and I think maybe it's just because people aren't necessarily always using them correctly, but, or maybe it's a volume thing or whatever. Uh, but I sometimes see those Luger taps and I go like, Hmm, not because I know how to use them. Cause I don't, it's, I see other people using them. And I go like, you guys are struggling. Um, whereas like this, this like ball valve seems like the best of both worlds. It's like an incredible amount of control, but it doesn't have this like screen in it. That's like fucking with you, but surely there's something that is lost. I just don't know what it is. I'm just not, I just, I'm not that guy. You probably have to have them side by side or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to go grab a piss, but you guys keep talking. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So that's that's good to know. Um, that that's the difference. But it's still an elevated experience compared to a regular tap, I guess. Though, which is still, it, would that be fair to say? I think I think so. I really like those taps. Um, what is like you know like if we were just to get like commercial on it, like it's difficult to put a brand on them. Gotcha. But if, uh, if if people are having that pour and then say if Pillow Talk is on a regular tap, like you there there's a, a noticeable difference, even if it's not remarkable, but there'd be a noticeable difference between the pour and that American side pool versus a regular up down uh, tap handle. Again, it depends on how you use it. Okay. If you just use it on off, then it may as well be the uh, on off uh, that, that binary yeah, yeah. faucet. Um, so is but, it one of those ones where you got to like let it go a little bit to produce more foam? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You just like let it, let it squeeze out a little bit and it's got this like this really fine. But in fact, it's a lot like drinking from a bright tank. Mm. Okay, so it's except, real fun. Yeah, except you can get better pours from it because drinking out of a bright tank, often you like you get nothing but foam. Gotcha. Okay, it, that's a really interesting point. So then, you could could you do like those Maliko check pours with that top? What are you talking about? And so there's this thing called a Maliko M L I K O pour where there's like this much beer and this much yeah, yeah. Just, uh, all that like super wet foam. Yeah, um, and there's supposed yeah, to be like a shooter. Yeah, dude, if you came here right now, we could dust a couple for sure. Should have done that this afternoon, shouldn't we? I was in the middle of it. I had my, I was a full spreadsheet. I was like, I look like my shirt values all over it. it I respect that. It wasn't the time. I hadn't even had breakfast, so it wasn't a good time for me either. But we're going to make that happen because that's beautiful. I'm getting, I'm getting stuck to this desk these days. That's like my, my, <laughs> I was like tapping my hand the other day, and my my watch was like, "Great, you're active again." I was like, Fuck, it's like "God damn it, the damn desk!" 
such low expectations of me. I basically stop wearing this thing if I'm sitting around. The only time I wear my watch is if I go for a run. So it's like, it's pleased with me. The Apple Watch. <laughs> All right, so it's a Samsung watch, but it's the same thing. It's just like this, it's like, like a smartwatch that does the this yeah, yeah, yeah. device that you wear on your body. Yeah. yeah, I got one of those bad boys. Yeah, it's uh, it's always interesting to get the data, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, I love. It. We're just talking um, about a different. Yes, well, go. You know, I don't. I don't often get access to. Uh, guys like you who seem to be so tuned into the industry. So like, what's your take on, um, what, like I, I'll, a lot of people I talk to talking about like declining kind of sales, the market shifting to, you know, uh, low elk, non elk, uh, RTDs. Like where, where do you guys see the craft beer industry in Ontario in, five years that's a great question nate do you want to answer that i'm going to rock a piss and then i'll come back and i'll hit you with mine because i have some thoughts because we me and tiff did a full podcast on this like a month ago you good great all right yeah, sure. so i think we're all I, like i think we're definitely already seeing a shift in that um like, like particularly towards um uh, like like towards non-elk, maybe even more than uh, like than low elk. Um, it's uh, like something interesting that I found this year is that there are more non-alcoholic options, including non-alcoholic beer, being produced by Ontario breweries this year than I've ever seen before. Um, the, the, like the, like I could maybe count on one hand. Um, even in uh, like even in January twenty twenty two. Um, Ontario breweries that had like that had non-alcoholic beers. There are plenty that had hop waters and things like that, but non-alcoholic beers it skyrocketed this year. Um, and I know it's a thing that in the last uh, like in the last five years or so, I know like I know the Quebec market had been showing a slight preference, trending towards lower alcohol options. Um, and oh, okay. I okay. I think uh, C's uh, monitor just dropped off there. Maybe it'll pop back on when he comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know the Quebec scene had, like had started to show a preference for that, but then they kind of skyrocketed back in the other direction with the like when they kind of caught up on the haze trend and uh, the, like, and some would say even leapfrogged. But where it's like, but where it's going in five years? That's a like, that's a really interesting question and. Very, very difficult to predict, but with how it kind of came about by leaps and bounds this year on the non-alcoholic scene, I have to imagine to a certain degree that that's going to continue because I think the only explanation for how it exploded this year is that it's kind of catching up to that demand. I mean... Dry January has become more and more of a conversation every year, like especially since 2020, I think, um, with people like with people just kind of wanting to keep their drinking in check after uh, uh, like after a lot of uh, like after a lot of lockdown and whatnot. So, but and I mean, I don't think the fact that the non-alcoholic options exploding in January of this year is a coincidence. So. Uh, like, like so, as we continue to 
to the, like to go along with it exploding this year. I think that's going to continue for sure. Um, and a guess would be that lower alcohol options are going to start to become more common as well. I don't think that uh, the higher ABV ones are going to disappear. I think uh, like I don't think hazy double IPAs are going anywhere. Um, but I do think that uh, that like better uh, the, the, I think better attenuated um, pale ales that, that like so ones that are a bit like a bit bolder in body and uh, like without kind of uh, being as harsh in carbonation as some of the lower ABV options have been in the past. Um, but we can already see those getting dialed in more. Even like even the height places like Third Moon and whatnot are really dialing in the body on their lower um, ABV beers, that, like kind of enhancing the body of their lower ABV beers and um, lightening up the body in their higher ABV beers. And I think that's only going to continue. That's kind of, that's kind of where, I've, uh, like where I've seen the trends going pretty significantly. And uh, I think that's likely to continue. Hmm. I caught the end of that, but I, I definitely agree with that part. Tiff and I did a podcast a few months ago where we were looking at um, sort of the future of craft beer and where it's going. We saw some videos like on, I don't know if it was like mainstream stuff, but like, you know, relatively big YouTube channels were posting about this. And if you look at where like the big guys were going, the big guys were turning a brewing business into a beverage business. So kind of coming back to the original question where you were saying like, what does it look like with the other thing? They were, they were moving into and they, RTDs, um, seltzers, ciders, sparkling waters, whatever else that it might be, in order to diversify their portfolios. Um, I think beer as a whole has been, I don't know if it's necessarily shrinking as much, but just sort of changing and, you know, oh, here we go. Am I back? So I was waiting for this new one to come back in. There we go. Beautiful. Um, and the idea is that like sort of Nate was touching on a lot of the, a lot of the craft breweries have now moved into non-alc, you know, like you know, collective locally, um, Bellwoods, uh, there's breweries, they've gone like, like in, in on it, like as in having events, doing multiple brands, focus groups, all that stuff. Then you've got like, you know, someone like Rorschach who do like a, a one-off that they keep bringing back. Um, Third Moon, they had their, you know, we would, it was actually like a live session that we used to do called the Chinwag that we kind of stopped. Um, and uh, Bebo came on. He was talking about they have their lime fizzy water that they just pour at the brewery. And we we're like, yo, you should can that shit. And we started canning it. And now they have their little canned water I lime. Like I feel like he kind of did that because of us a little bit. <laughs> no, I know he did it because of us, for sure. It's not like saying that yeah. we are the man or anything like that. It's just he happened to tune in and we were like, you should put that in can. It was like a, just a little suggestion. It was, you know, and they did it and it's great. Now they've got multiple flavors. Dominion City have a whole yep. business um, with shitty seltzer with this type of stuff. Yep. So I think. And, for, uh, and, like, and, and, well, and Wellington, their hop water has, been, has become a whole, like a whole side brand as well. It used to just correct. be under the Wellington name, but now, like, but now they've made it a whole side brand just like uh, Dominion have done with City Seltzer. Correct. That's a great example. So it's like, and you know, one of the original ones was Spearhead's Aqua, uh, which was like a botanical water. I don't know if they're still doing that, but that was actually really, really good. That they was do. the first. They do okay. That was the first one where we were like, "Oh shit, this is a thing. This is fun." 
So I think that like some breweries are not interested in it and they kind of seem annoyed by it all. And then some breweries seem to want to kind of embrace it. So like I think as a capitalist, you know, business perspective, not as just a drinker, like I think breweries would be intelligent to invest into some sort of alternative beverage opportunity, whatever that may be for them. Seltzers, I don't think are going to change the world like they were. I feel like they had their kind of moment. They're there. This summer will be telling because this is my first full Ontario summer, whereas in Quebec, they fucking love seltzers. You walk around the park in Montreal and everybody had a 12-pack or whatever it is of different brands of um the seltzers of the last couple of summers. Um, and when you say that, you're that, talking alcoholic seltzers, right? Al- alcoholic seltzers, I'm sorry. Yes, correct, correct, correct. So there's I that. I think that the same here. Like, it's those are very popular. Yeah, and I think they'll remain very popular. Um, you know, when even breweries, even admittedly like us, are interested and and uh engage in making things that don't taste that much like beer mm. like you know we talked about fonzo and stuff and you, you get giddy about like how much you make this thing taste like candy well part of that is because it's fun to make something uh out of constituent parts that don't make sense mm. right so like you know you make you make a beer that tastes like candy out of something that is like not typically associated with candy. Um, whereas if you take, you know, uh, commodity grade, uh, high proof beverage alcohol and mix it with, uh, sterile water and CO2 and flavors, um, you're going to get that result. And when I put it that way, that's my own cynical way of like saying like I do it better. Um, but the reality is like the gener- the drinking public doesn't feel that way and they don't need to. They don't owe us anything. You know, you go like there's nothing wrong with these flavors or whatever. These guys are giving you what you want. Um, so that that will be a challenge for the beer industry if you see it as a challenge, you know, like. There's also a part of this whole thing that um, while you need to grow and you need to um, continue to make money and all that stuff, um, you got to realize like for somebody in my position, how like how wonderful is the situation that you got going here? You need to protect it and and nurture it and make sure that like, I can continue to like have a job that I absolutely love with a bunch of people that I absolutely love and that I can sustain them and stuff and sustain myself and do that whole thing. But you don't need to dominate the beverage alcohol market. Um, That's fair. Growth, growth is cool. Um, And I would never tell people to like stay in your lane or whatever, but it's, um, remain authentic and um, find ways to like uh, focus on like the joy in your own life and like, don't get too distracted by 
the the either like the potential for you to grow or the potential for you to stagnate or fail or whatever, give those things the respect that they deserve, but not, don't let them haunt you. Um, Mm. Just focus on like the thing that if you love beer and you love the people that you work with or whatever, just keep doing that. It's going to come across and you're going to be able to make, you're going to be able to make a perfectly fine buck. Um, just don't get like, don't get fucked up about it. You know, it's like everything will be, be okay. Just don't, yeah. Don't, uh, don't stress yourself out too much. Um, work hard, work hard, you know, like don't, uh, don't, uh, don't be complacent because you, you are seeing a lot of attrition these days. Uh, breweries falling off all the time. And that will continue. You don't want to be that. I don't think some people I think do, they want out and, um, and you know, just because a business failed doesn't mean you don't get paid. Um, so you might, you might just let your foot off the gas because you're at the end of your rope and that's, that's fine too. But for people who want this, I think like, uh, a positive future is out there. Just like uh, focus on your values, which is if you, if you enjoy uh, your, your, like your craft and your people and all that stuff, then like just focus on that. Enjoy going to work every day. That's what, that's what I, we try to do. Mm. I feel that man. That's like, that's really like, yeah, that's some sort of more wholesome, like straight up and down, like, you know, do what you're doing, follow your thing. And I think that's kind of important because some people might be moving into these other categories because they feel like they have to, but there's no passion to do that or they don't really care to do that. And they're doing it because they feel like they should. And then they might not make the greatest product that they could of that ilk. And then it might not be doing them any favors. So it's sort of like you got to know your brand, I guess, because your original question is where do you see everything going? And I see it moving towards that. Like Nate mentioned, like, you know, the lower ABV beers being better bodied and more accessible because they are cheaper. They're cheaper for the breweries to make, they're cheaper to sell, and they're cheaper for the consumer. But, you know, often you could be drinking a 6% IPA that has a similar body to an 8%, but less calories, less money and the breweries can make sell more of those as opposed to maybe less of the higher abv stuff and then you've got the other thing where you know right now in quebec dry february is a big thing i don't think it's as big here um obviously dry january and there's sober october so there's months like that where maybe breweries might want to have products that can still be sold to people who are participating in that and they're like you know i go to fair weather all the time but i'm doing dry january so I'd love to go and buy their sparkling water so I can drink a can of that every day and, and whatever. So there's that, but it's like, it's just going to make sense to you. Like it made sense to third moon. Good on them. It made sense to Bellwoods to do that shit. Fucking good on them. Cool. But I don't think everyone has to do it. I don't think they all need to like need to, as far as like, it's, it's not, it's not a matter of survival. It's more like, you know, for Dominion city, creating city seltzer and doing this whole other thing, 
I imagine it's just as much work to create and maintain that brand as it is the Dominion City brand. That's a lot of sure. Like they've got an app for fuck's sake. Like that's manpower. That's like you know developers and designers and uh, the shippers and obviously it's all combined because I ordered a case from them recently and it said packed by Andrew, um, who's a friend of mine. Who you know both of us who who works. You know you you know Andrew too. All of us are smiling, so we know Andrew. He's the fucking man. so I was like, oh, Andrew uh, packed it. Didn't even throw me something extra, the motherfucker, but I bought a case. So what's he going to do? So like, it was, it was cool. Like, I just thought it was dope. I always wanted to try it, um, you know, just to, to, to – I've had some of it before, but I want to sort of get more – we've been getting – my partner and I have been getting more into that stuff. So it can kind of go all the different ways. And, you know, if, if it doesn't make sense for Fairweather to move into any of those categories, the, the number of them, then don't do – I don't think you need to do it. I don't think it's like – um, a matter of life and death. It's more just like, do you feel like it complements your brand to have this additional offering? I really think that's all it comes down to. And does it make sense? Are you into it? Because that's what you said before. I think I think it was you said before, Ron, where you're like, the, and Nate and I always talk about this, like breweries who make the, the beer that they want to make do the best stuff even though like you, you actually were saying kind of the opposite whereas like if you make what you want to make and people don't want to buy it then cool but then also if you guys love making crispies then your crispies are going to be really really great because you love crispies but if you're forced to make a non-alcoholic then it might not be a great non-alcoholic beer but if you really want to make a sparkling water that's flavorful and blah 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 then you'll make a killer one so it's such a nuanced question yeah and I don't. I. I don't want to. I don't want to get it twisted. It's not like we wouldn't do that, by any means. Right. Um, it's more like uh, you sort of see and hear a, a narrative uh, in the industry that, like, sometimes it feels like people think the sky is falling, and it's not. Yeah. Like, just like stick and move. Continue to like be positive. Um, explore what is potentially interesting to you. Um, keep an open mind and, uh, and do whatever makes sense to you. You know, everything, if you want shit to be okay, um, it will be, it's going to be a lot of hard work. You know, the economy is kind of fucked up. Um, and it will remain that way for some time. Um, but, I, I just like, I know that it's kind of tough out there for people. Um, and, and, you know, like we will see, like, we'll, we'll see some, uh, some tough times too, but ultimately like you just have to, and I, you know, I have to remind myself of this in my personal life all the time too. It's just like, focus on like what makes you happy. And, and, but don't forget to work hard and, uh, and everything will be all right. It's just, just keep, keep busy. If, if, if something jumps out at you is like, as what you want to do, then do that. Spend your, spend your time that way. Don't spend your time some kind of fucking way that you don't want to do what you're doing. Unless, unless you have to. But if you're in a position where like you can make decisions for yourself, make them based on that. That's the right thing to do. Yeah, follow your gut. Those are wise words, man. Yeah, man. I, I really align with that. 
as a business owner myself and knowing that like, you know, it can go all sorts of different ways. I very much feel that. Uh, and I think it's really good advice for other breweries that are listening to that. Maybe they're not sure whether to get into it. Like trust your gut. If your gut and your sort of joy takes you in a direction and you want to do something that may be slightly different to your typical offerings, do it, explore it, try it. If not, don't feel pressure to do it. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, life yep. is long, right? Like you can you can screw up a bunch of times and and uh, and not end up too too worse for wear. Yeah. It's worse to work to not do it. So, yeah, hundred percent, man. This is great. All right. So, should we crack this uh, last beer before we wrap up? What do you got here? What's the last beer? Cheap seats. <laughs> sure. I'm getting absolutely dickered out here. <laughs> <laughs> See, one of the things well, that got, we learned. We've come, we've come this far, right? <laughs> if On anything, internet. If anything less than dickered, then did we have a podcast? <laughs> and you said you were catching an Uber home, so you're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Rob's responsible. Um. So this one, um, 4.2%, nice little crusher. You were telling me about this one earlier, Ron. You were saying it was kind of like a – can you just describe this beer, like how you told me? Ooh. Absolutely. So Cheap Seats is like my shit. This is like – this is what I'm drinking 90% of the time. Um, it's uh, – <laughs> It started as a genesis of going like we really wanted to explore um, this kind of like hazy IPA yeast without like blasting it with hops. Um, we wanted to see what kind of ester profile it was capable of producing. I've got like the like the, I'm on my sixth can of beer hiccups right now. <laughs> um, I just hiccuped and hit my elbow into the whole stand, so don't worry about it, bro. We out here. Um, but uh, it's and then we just touched it with a like a little bit of uh, Simcoe and Eldorado, like a a twenty two pound dry hop over forty hex. So it's like it's not much and. Um, I don't know. It's very dry. Uh, we've spent some time like dialing in the like the mineral profile in the water, and uh, and honestly, like I love it. I think it's it's our answer to like uh, a macro light lager where you go like we can make crush like seriously crushable beer too, um, but it still is going to have character and it's going to be interesting. And uh, and that's what that's what I'm into. I love it. I'm here for it. So, would you just? I mean, like, on looking at Untapped, it says it's a pale ale. Would you call it a pale ale? Like, what would be the description of this bad boy? We we just call it light beer. Okay. So um, it's, it's like hazy. So it's sort of like given, like that family, like the hop sort of family. As opposed to a like a lager or anything, I don't want to always put it in a box or anything. But I'm just always curious as to the intention behind the creation. 
The intention was to see what the yeast did. Um, and obviously it interacted really well with hops, but we're used to putting, you know, like a hundred pounds of hops in a 30 heck batch or whatever. So we go like, what if we put 22 pounds of hops or whatever in, um, in a, in a 30 heck batch where it's just like much like pillow talk. Like you want that, like that elegant hop experience, but with a beer that is like very crushable, um, that can be made quickly. Um, and that has a completely different way of expressing like itself than, uh, you know, this ale yeast that is like really beautiful and expressive as opposed to, you know, whatever else it is, a lager yeast or whatever. Usually when people have, beers made with their yeast, they're absolutely smashed with hops, which is great, but you do, the average person loses the yeast character in the balance. Um, it's hard to perceive it. Whereas that's what we wanted to do is like, make sure that you could perceive what this like integral component of, uh, of the beer is actually doing on its own. Mm. Okay. It's given pale ale as far as like, it's just nice and bright, light, yeah. creamy, tropical, yeah. really smooth. It's got a, yeah, like, like it's definitely got a more effervescent uh, like, like carbonation to it, which is pretty, uh, like pretty common to, um, to yeah. a sub five percent, it's a, like that's pretty in line with what I would, uh, but like with what I would expect for uh, like for that ABV. But the uh, what I like is that it doesn't have a sharp acidic bitterness to it. Still got some nice soft um, body and uh, like and some really nice hop character to it. Yeah. And, and what we found was that softness was actually too soft until we like turned up the like sulfate in the water and you go like, Oh, okay. We're adding a little more, more sulfate. It makes it a little snappier because otherwise not only is like the, uh, the beer, uh, it's, you know, it's not acidic at all. It's like, it's, uh, low alcohol, so it has a, like it's just a higher water content, um, but it also has like El Dorado there, which is like mm. a very like, a rounding agent. It makes this like ooey gooey melon sort of thing. So you like try to, um, you know, to some extent, like a a little bit of sulfate is almost like a squeeze of lime on a melon. Um, mm. It's not acidity. But it is like it is like mineral structure built into the beer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, Water is everything. And, yeah, and so like I don't know. We just like at the brewery, we we love this beer. We love to like uh, have this one. That you know, this is what the cooler is full of when you're out there, like you know, at the park or at a staff party. You're crushing beers, like you know. Sometimes you see as much as we may like these beers, you can tell what, what gets left in the cooler after a day of like partying. Right. 
and it's never cheap seats. Interesting. You know, like there are there none of go. those. That lines. says a lot. That says a lot. Yeah. So that, so that's the shit. So that's like that's what we do, um, and and we all really believe in this beer. We love it, and we think that if we made it a constant offering, then like then other people will too. It's the same thing with high grade. Like consistency was key. Um, mm. People go like, well, you know, we got printed menus and we got this and that. And like, and we want to be able to depend on you basically. Um, and when we committed to high grade, it took time, but we saw eventually that brand take off because we could make a commitment. And there's not many, very many people who are willing to go like, yeah, yeah, we'll give you like a fair weather rotational tap, like, and our server's going to have to learn how to describe every beer that comes out every week or whatever. You go like, no, like they want something consistent that they can get used to, that they can describe to their customers, that they can describe to their, their trainees or whatever. Um, and, and is also delicious and, and appealing to everybody. And so that's, that's what we're kind of trying to do with, with cheap seats go like, we all know that you guys want to hang out in the park and like, and muck beers from fucking sun up to sundown. And so like, let's do it. This is what we, they, we want the same thing. So like, let's do it with this. This is the beer for that. It's the money one, yeah. the park beer. It's yeah, key, bro. And to be tasty, and that, like you said, that it's always, it's never the one that's left in the cooler because it's so approachable. And, and you know, I, I almost feel like that's really what speaks to where people are at with their beer consumption right now, kind of thing, coming back to that last conversation. Like, I feel like this type of thing is, is more important than it used to be. You know, that yeah. real low ABV stuff. And, and also, this is interesting because it's 4.2, it's not like 3 or 2%, it's yeah. 4.2. So it's, it's still in this sort of like, I don't even know what to call it, like that sort of like middle area of ABV where it's like very crushable and you can easily have half a dozen of these in an afternoon and, and you know, and still be in a good condition type of thing as opposed to something a little more intense. Um, well, I mean, let's face it, people still like the effects of alcohol. You know, there's a reason right. people have been doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Um, so it's it's one of those things where it's, I don't know, it's just, it's an everyday beer that hopefully people enjoy. We really do. Um, I get it. We think it, it, it provides something that is like a little bit elevated from um, the experience of like, just another light lager it's like it's floral it's like it's fleshy and fruity but not so much that like you gotta go like okay that's enough of those it's like yeah no this super drinkable um you know you guys and us like we all live in this bubble you gotta trust yourself right like as much as like nobody wants to sound uh over the top and like uh, like arrogant by any means, but like you spend a tremendous amount of your time and life focused on beer and like what's good and what isn't like 
don't like you got to trust yourself right mm. um, yeah you're you're the expert in any given group um and that can be risky because you can like silo yourself and uh and live in your own world but also like i don't know that's that's not something that like that's you should also like give that expertise some weight and so like when all the people at fairweather go like i drink cheap seats all the time i go like well then like there's something there that's a really good point and part of that kind of like responsibility is being like the person who knows a little bit about beer in any given group is to cater the the the, the needs to that individual and if this is the neat like if they're like yeah man i just want something light flavorful that i could just kind of sip on all day and, and not be too much like well welcome here you go you know like it doesn't always yeah. have to be an eight percent double fpa or a ten percent imperial stout type shit like this is like a a very welcome like i i would argue now that based on the conversations before that we're having like with you know the the changing of the uh, i don't know the the interest in the lower ABV stuff. Like Nate and I talk about this all the time. Like I'm probably a little more than him into the lower ABV stuff. I still love a good double IPA for sure, but I would find myself leaning towards the lower side of things so I could have more. And this is of that ilk because it's flavorful and you could happily buy a six pack or more of these and, and go nuts and, and still be good to go and, and conversational and, uh, you know, have your wits about you type of thing, which which is perfect because it's like the ultimate situation. If you're looking for a session beer that isn't, it's like, it's not, there's some sort of weird thing. We talked about this. I swear, Nate, if you like the other part, like a last part or the one before where like session IPA is like a weird term. That's like, ruined. Yeah. like nobody really wants a session IPA, but like, this is just positioned as light beer. If you called it a pale ale, I'd be equally interested type of thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it hits yeah, well, we, used to, we used to call it pale beer. Okay. Um, but we just started going out light beer so like more people would understand like what it is. Because pale beer, I mean, what is that? That's fair. And That's fair. Are you trying to go like, like okay, I, like I just want. Yeah, like like pale. I'm almost thinking more refers to the color than to uh, like than to the uh, like than to the quality of the beer itself. Light Good is point. more like is a bit more universal. I see mm. that. I want you to understand the intention. Yeah, yeah, because when you put L I T E specifically, just for people who haven't seen the can, like that word is almost vague because it could be taken as yes, thank you, Nate. It could be taken as light beer, meaning it's a crispy, like some sort of a lager, or it could just be lower ABV beer with mad flavor, which is really what this is. So it's it's yeah. almost like a category unto itself because there's. I think it would be fair to say there's. It'd be rare to find a pale ale be below four point five, and this is four point two. So yeah. like calling it a pale beer, like you said, Ram, is a little it wasn't connecting light beer is it's just so interesting because you sort of like well what is this now what am i getting into so once they try it once like oh sick like my sort of putting a thing in a box is a pale ale it's a light pale ale with tons of flavor that 
I can have on mass. Yeah. yeah. Uh, boom. That's, that's, the, it's, that's the idea. It's, it's a bit it's like, uh, sorry, Rob. Nothing. You get. You guys get it. It's. It's like. It's the. It's a more discerning, uh, like version of a tailgate beer. Like mm. if you if if you want to just crush beers all day because you're, you know, you want to be a shithead. Like by all means, that that's what we want too. That's what we are. Shithead. So is. like. <laughs> but but we're also but we're also we we have uh, a, a palate that like doesn't necessarily agree with you know uh, banquet or natty light all day. So yeah. so like this is this is a a solution to that problem, right? I like that. Yeah, yeah. and I see that for sure, and. Uh, I, this is obviously a pretty decent seller, I would imagine. Then, like people, uh, is it is it a year rounder, or is it kind of like when you bring it in, it just flies, and then people want more? Or what's yeah, it, it's a um, it's something that we've recently made available all the time, and yeah, like people are people are flocking to it. They seem to really like it. Whereas, like you know, even, even high grade took a lot more time. Whereas, like high grade or cheap seats is like right off the bat. Like Boom. people are about this thing. And so we find ourselves brewing it constantly and go like, holy shit. All we needed to do is say that like, yes, it's here. And like, and people are jacked about it. Mm. Dude, that's nice. fascinating. I love that. Yeah. I feel like tonight we really got a really good, um, and we didn't do it in the obvious order too, which I also find interesting. Um, yeah. you got a real, real unique sort of like run of kind of what you guys do, like that still didn't scratch the surface because there's so many things you guys do from like the barrel age stuff and the, you know, your darker beers and whatever. But I feel like this gave everybody a nice little snapshot of sort of what Fairweather's about from the branding to the ethos to the, the styles, you know, you know, multiple different sort of hobby beers and, um, multiple different crispies and shit. I think, I think we really like delivered on what we, what Nate and I were hoping to sort of showcase from you guys. And we got story and stuff. Um, was there anything else we wanted to make sure that we added in? We just touched three hours, which is, I, I kind of assumed it was going to go this far. I just based on the conversations we'd had rum and that, uh, you know, the three of us chatting and I've seen you a few other times. Like, I'm like, I, this is going to be a longer one. Cause you know, Good people, good good beers. Like fuck, man, we're gonna yap. But, yeah, um, I mean, I would say that. Like, no, I, I'm stoked. The only thing is, like, I would love to drink other people's beers with you guys, and like, and see what you thought. Like, I I, I respect your opinion. I think that it's it's cool to talk to people who have like their nose to the ground to the grind. You know, like I I. I get locked up in my own little world here. So it's like, yeah. it's very nice to uh, just talk to you guys who are like, you know, knowledgeable and, and invested in, in the, the industry and culture and stuff. So it's very cool. That's dope, man. I honestly, like, you know, I know Nate, you'd be down as fuck. Like I'd love to hang out and, uh, you know, and Nate's in town relatively, uh, 
you know, regularly due to family being nearby. So I figure it won't be too difficult to be able to figure something out. We can go and just crush a whole bunch of different stuff. Uh, that'd be great. You know, I mean, Ubers go from Burlington, uh, from from where you're at, and I could do the same thing here. And you know, man, I feel like that'd be I feel like that'd be cool, bro. Just to like really soak it up, bring a bunch of stuff, and or we go somewhere, whatever it is, and just uh, soak it up. But I think this has been cool to get to know this the fair weather story because that's something that like is important to us to be able to capture on the pod as well, and just to really see. Like I said, man, you guys are in the top 10 for 2022 because we're big fucking fans of everything you do from the branding to the products to the brew pub. It's just so well-deserved. And thank you for everything you do for, for being here in Hamilton and in Ontario, man. I love it. We both do. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate the shit out of you guys. Thank you for uh, all the all the kind things you've said and and for having us tonight. That's, that's dope, man. I appreciate you guys. It's uh, it, yeah. It's it's really been a genuine pleasure. You um, Fairweather has been a special brewery to a lot of the Ontario scene for a number of years now, um, it, and uh, you know it, it, it was great to finally have you on. It's been a long time coming. Absolutely. Well, hopefully Question it's not the last. I I, no I appreciate the hang. So thank you guys. Oh, absolutely, bro. We, we're going to be doing this uh, regular. We'll make this like an annual thing, uh, 100%. Um, so, Ron, we really appreciate your time, man. Thank you for hanging out. So we're going to wrap this up and hang out at the end, and we'll just we'll finish up off air. Um, where can everybody find Fairweather online and in person? Like, what's the, uh, what's the deal? Well, so uh, first of all, we got um, fairweatherbrewing.com. Um, that's where you can buy all of our beer and everything like that. You have at Fairweather Beer on Instagram. Um, and uh, the ideal situation is that you come visit us at 5 Ofield Road in Hamilton. Um, and while you're in the neighborhood, uh, come visit uh, Grain and Grit Brewing. And uh, if you can make it into this compound of the Andy factory then you get in there too uh but make make a day of it uh we uh appreciate the shit out of everybody who comes out here and um we got a great staff and they'll take good care of you and everything so um yeah that's that's the way to do it i love that and definitely nate and i can agree you know we've been there a bunch oh well i know nate you and i went for the i think it was your first time i've been there a bunch of times and it's always a pleasure the staff are lovely um it's, it's just a, it's a pleasure. It's such a great hang. So definitely go check it out. Nathaniel, where can everyone find you online, sir? Uh, you can find me everywhere at Nathan Does Beer, and you can find me right here co-hosting BAOS Podcast. And uh, while we're at it, um, to, post something, uh, to post something local relevant to the conversation here, I know um, – Rom, you, uh, you and the team were out here at Dominion City a couple of weeks ago, and I know you've got a collab that's coming out uh, hey. fairly soon that I'm very much looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah, love the crew, man. We, uh, I, I, going out to visit Dominion is, a, is an event for me, and, uh, and I love that team over there, and I can't wait for the beer to come out. I... Uh, I yeah, I can't say enough about those guys. Love them. Yeah, but we're, we're, we're the we're the exact same. We we love those guys to death. Um, 
the, the, the whole crew there are, are, are like are just spectacular, and I'm really looking forward to that beer. Hell yeah! So by the time this pod comes out, maybe the beer in the, this pod will be out in two weeks, I think. Not this Wednesday, but the so, one yeah. after. So that means would the beer be out yep. by then? Hopefully. That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> Go hassle them in the city. Close. I think it would be within a week or whatever. Okay, so keep an eye out for that. And then, of course, in May, you got the uh, your anniversary as well. So there'll be a whole bunch of stuff happening for uh, – for May, so definitely go follow Fairweather online and make sure you sign up to their newsletter because they have banging newsletters with all sorts of deals and delivery specials and then all the new beers that's going on. So that's how I keep up to date with everything was for signing up for that. So Ram, you're a legend, bro. We really appreciate you. Once again, stick around for a sec. I'm going to wrap this up and uh, we'll hang out offline. But truly, thank you so much. Nate, you're, you're a legend. I appreciate you as well. Everybody, thank you for watching and listening. I hope you really enjoyed this one because we truly did. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up. Hit subscribe below, Nathaniel. Hit the freaking notification bell. Ding. So you know when the new new drops. Follow us everywhere at BOS Podcast. We drop every Wednesday. We're dropping the audio in the morning at 7 a.m. Just in case the morning commuters want to have a little something to listen to on their way to wherever they're going. And we drop the visuals around uh, 8 p.m. on uh, Wednesday evenings as well. So you can go and watch that with dinner or after dinner, have a drink, you know what I'm saying? Grab a fair weather, watch that shit, you know the vibes. Um, Also, if you are on any of the podcast platforms, throw us a five-star review. It helps significantly. We're out here, you know, we've been eight years strong almost out here representing Canadian craft beer and beyond. So uh, anything is very appreciated. So thank you guys for watching and listening. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.